Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. That's right, everybody, episode 95. I have been away for the first time ever from the Nick and Matt Show. I have a lot to say. I know you don't believe it. Tonight's episode presented by Cosmic Disc Golf, CosmicDG.com. Check them out for all things Cosmic. He's just we're close. If people are probably telling us we're having an echo because I messed up something else again, too. So tonight's show is just starting off great. I have to say, while I was away, for the first time ever in my life, I have one of my sons, my firstborn, beat me in a round of disc golf. And he was playing the course blind, and I played it once before. And we tied it up going to the last hole, and we had to go to a playoff because we both birdied it. And he took me down. He buried it, and I didn't. It's over, and that's the end of it. But that is a moment for me that I thought would come around 12 years old, and that's what yeah. it was. So, Nick, oh, one nice. day you may or may so, not well, have this experience. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I will. I mean, hopefully, okay. you know, I want kids one day. Nick Jr. I, I especially want a boy. Yeah, exactly. I want my Nick Jr. And uh, as long as he doesn't beat me till he's, you know, 17 or 18, that's kind of – I'm going to raise the bar a little bit and just make sure. <laughs> raise the bar but yeah well know, exactly with, with, if nick yeah. is playing as good as he is now like winning his fifth hopefully fifth pro event i mean it's going to be harder for your child to beat you yeah that's the plan you know and hopefully i get better with age tell us about that you know, fifth, any... that fifth win you got so i went out to virginia beach hole one i'm just gonna i'm not gonna go play by play no nah, so i went out <laughs> to virginia you. beach this last weekend and uh played a two-day b tier it was uh three and a half rounds so three full rounds and then one safari final nine and um after the first round i had a three-stroke lead after the second round i had an 11 stroke lead and then after the third round i think i still had 11 and then in the final nine i was just kind of at that point i was ready to go home and then, but I was also kind of like messing around with some shots. Like I was throwing, trying to throw massive, like power forehands through the woods. And anyways, all in all, it was a great weekend. Um, I actually, shoot, I have a post-it note in my car. So I met one of the guys who was a fan of the show. And as we were walking by, uh, he goes, yo, Matt Graham, like just making a joke, you know, saying, cause it's the Matt, you know, the Nick and Matt show. And, um, so I was like, oh, haha, you know, and then we started talking. We were talking, um, it was uh, Sorry, Saturday Nick. night. It was great. We were talking Saturday night and we were talking about restaurants. I asked him where a good place to go is, told me about this great place called Aberdeen. I didn't end up going because I went out with some friends. Um, anyways, I love drinking scotch, especially with dessert. And I, I had the post note. I got to shout out his disc golf club, which I forget what it is. So if he's in the chat, write it out because I don't have it right now, but I'll shout it out next week. But he gave me, anyways. He gave me this really, really nice bottle of scotch as just a gift for chit-chatting with him. He loves the show, and so it was super awesome. Anyway, but great, great weekend overall. It was nice to get the fifth one of the year, which I think technically is the most wins I've had in one year for PDGA events. Whoop. And there's there's still so much left of the season that it's, it's pretty exciting. And I, I will say the biggest thing about it was um, I had lost like five tournaments in a row, and you know, I wasn't feeling like super discouraged, but I was kind of like, all right, I got to, you know, step up a little bit and kind of get my groove back. And fortunately this last weekend, everything kind of just clicked a little bit better. So, well, yeah, this is unusual for us too at the Nick and Matt show. We have a local 
to mm-hmm. like the Nick and Matt show area up in New England, Maple Hill area named Paul Kranz, who's in studio. We're not ready to ask his questions yet. We're giving him some time to warm up to the show. We love the dude, but the chat is going wild for Paul Kranz right now. Uh, for anyone who's as out there, sh- as they should be, they should. Oh, they pulled him up for his. Are you? Oh, you're not pulling him up yet. Good. Uh, the questions about like, yeah, good. All his yeah. friends are like, hey, uh, who's the best player on his team? Da da da. They're all arguing right now about it. Uh, we'll try to pass some of it along. But Paul Kranz is here in studio, not in a virtual green room. We will bring him up in just a minute here. Uh, but before we get to that, I just wanted to say everyone probably recognized Christian Tatar wasn't at the preserve. Uh, still COVID pandemic ripples uh, relating to travel and just the overall abundance of, uh, I guess, I want to say safety, whatever it is, their, their choice, right, to make uh, for their safety and their traveling plans. So she's not here, and and she put it out there so people wouldn't ask any more questions. Hey, I have zero idea when we'll be there. It's indefinite, so don't ask. Yeah. She didn't say don't ask. She's much classier than that, but she put out the information. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and then one last thing is one year out from the shot or the holy shot or where were you when James Conrad threw in, you know, to push a playoff. And I can remember it was my anniversary or anniversary weekend. I was with my wife, and I was just like, are you kidding? I jump off the couch, and it was just amazing, so. Nick, I was going to ask where you were, but we've heard that story, and it's pretty amazing. We've heard the story, yeah. I was about 45, 50 feet. No, probably 70, 80 feet away from the basket. Okay. Uh, Let's go three up, Ben. I want to talk about some awesome food. And (laughs) the reason I say food is because it is so tasty, and I don't even know what I just grabbed. But I just grabbed a bag of teriyaki beef jerky. And teriyaki. That's almost what I grabbed. Really? Almost what you grabbed. Yeah, I ended up getting sweet and spicy because Nate Sexton's the man. So jealous. here you go. This is teriyaki on our side. See, he's jealous until he takes a bite of the teriyaki. <laughs> I, like, it's pretty I'm still good. satisfied with teriyaki. Remember with John Kirkland, we asked the question what his favorite disc was? And he said, Matt, it's, the di- it's this one. It's the one that's in my hand. And I was just thinking for jerky, it's not quite true. As long as it's double G craft jerky, you say, Matt, what's your favorite jerky flavor? I say it's the one that's in my hand. So right I'm now, not gonna lie. That's true. I hate answers like that. When people have said before, like, you know, what's your favorite disc to throw? Or, <laughs> you know, what's your favorite shot? And people are always like, the next one. I'm like, <laughs> dude, stop. Stop. Just that's such a annoying answer. But, I don't know. But in all seriousness, this jerky that I'm eating right now is the jerky that I was I was gonna say that I wouldn't have eaten. <laughs> but it's so good. And here's the deal. For a limited time, and I don't know how long I'm gonna say that until they tell me to stop. <laughs> Limited time. If you go buy doublegjerky.com, you go to there and buy a package of jerky. Let me see real quick. These bags are two and a half ounce bags. Good amount of jerky. One ounce. Good amount of jerky. And if you buy this two and a half ounce bag of jerky, you get a free bag, a one ounce bag of jerky. So what's better than double G craft jerky? Everybody, free Double G Craft Jerky. Use code Nick and Matt at DoubleGCraftJerky.com. And yes, Nick, is that the one-ounce bag? I think this is the one-ounce bag. So it's got plenty of jerky in it. It's amazing. You get a free one with these with code Nick and Matt. So that's awesome. Perfect. I I throw those one-ounce bags in my disc golf bag, and people say, why not the Mm -hmm. two-and-a-half? Because I'll go through a one-ounce bag during the round, and I don't want to go through like a full two. I want to go through a a two-and-a-half-ounce bag, but I don't want to do that every tournament. Like, well, again, I do want to. 
<laughs> but I don't want to. So anyways, great product. We love what they're doing over there. Stay tuned. Really cool thing coming up. I'll just say that. Use that code, get free jerky. Oh, that's cool. There we go. All right, Evan, we, we have you in studio. You just enjoyed jerky, but officially welcome to episode 95. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, Ben's here, and as I said, Paul's here. But let's get right into the Preserve Championship. Tell us about it. Break it down. All right. So we had two winners, Paige Pierce and uh, Bradley Williams. Wow, I almost blanked on his name for a second. That's bad. Bradley Williams. <laughs> He's in they, the green room. No, <laughs> and you know what's wild? We are at the six-year mark of the Disc Golf Pro Tour uh, being Ooh. official. Got to go back to the first event, Vibram Open in Leicester, Massachusetts, which was where we are right now, if Matt doesn't say it enough. The I winners, was there. Yep, I was there. The winners, Bradley Williams and Paige Pierce. So a little, little throwback event. Paige Pierce, I mean, we all know her winning multiple events every single year, but Bradley Williams has not won an Elite Series Major since that day. Uh, 2,191 days since he last won his last um, Elite Series of Major event. That's the sixth longest gap of any MPO player, and it's the longest Pro Tour gap between wins. I mean, you can't get farther than that at this moment because uh, you have to go back to the first one, which is wild. <laughs> and going off of that, just gonna, a quick tangent because this is just so cool. When Drew Gibson won LVC, that was the longest gap between pro tour wins from his 2019 portland open win till his 2022 lvc win simon breaks that a couple months later at otb when he won 2018 memorial to 2022 otb now we have bradley williams like a month later breaking <laughs> that record and doing it from 2016 of ivram open all the way to which technically no one can break that record right now exactly so uh that's that said, but again like i said it's a six longest gap for elite series and majors um, but yeah, as I said, Bradley Williams takes it down two strokes over Ricky Wysocki, who was charging, uh, from the chase card. And I, I'm telling you that was vintage Ricky right there. He didn't get the win, but he just looks so good. You know, daggers from C2 and just like you, you were watching the lead card, watching Bradley Williams be insanely clutch as well. And you just hear these monster cheers and you're just like, something's <laughs> crazy happening. And then DGN switches right over to it and you see Ricky just make a ginormous putt. And so that was just, that was classic. And that's what we see at the preserve is these just down to the wire finishes. It's exciting. Uh, it, it's just pure excitement on the MPO side, on the FPO side, we've kind of seen people run away with it. And this might've been the closest race yet, but Paige Pierce still took it down handily by five strokes over Ella Hansen and Missy Gannon. Um, uh, in incredible run from Ella Hansen lately, right? I agree. Mm -hmm. um, She's in a conversation for sure. Maybe not hottest player on tour. And I have that conversation for Simon later, but yeah, she's doing really good. Yeah. But I, I also, I want to chime in really quick, just saying that like, these are courses built for Ella, you know, mm -hmm. DDO, um, Portland open, um, What's the other one? I was literally just looking at it. Uh, she played great at Santa Cruz Master Cup, OTB Open. And so, like, these are courses that really, really set up for her. But she's capitalizing on it, which is awesome. And we're not just saying, oh, it's a course great for her and she gets 15th, 20th place. Like, she's capitalizing on these places that are going to her advantage. So it's really, really cool to see her kicking butt out there. Yeah, and she didn't have quite the best round, but Holland Hanley also was incredible. She's a you know incredibly good athlete, 
uh, comes from multiple other sports now in disc golf, and she can throw it a mile as well. You kind of see similarities between her and Ella Hansen, although coming from different mm-hmm. backgrounds, uh, both just these new world-class disc golfers that we see alongside, you know, these 10-year veterans. Uh, super cool to see. This is Reserves also, I mean, I call it the disc golf house of highlights. I think that's true. You also see a ton of birdies and not a ton of bogeys this year. Um, mm-hmm. If I have it correctly, I think there was seven bogey-free rounds in FPO alone, not even getting into MPO. Wow. Um, to this point in the year so far, in the entire year, there's only been 12 in Elite Series and Majors. So this had over 50% of the already already completed part of the season uh, of bogey-free rounds. Uh, you saw a ton of birdies. In round two alone, Missy Gannon, Holland Hanley, and Ella Hansen all had double-digit birdies in a single round. Man, I, the excitement that the preserve brings and the competition that excels there year after year at this point, it's interesting to start to see i don't want to say predictability because they have to execute and then seeing like bradley williams win like i feel like that was Mm -hmm. a surprise win but like you're it's interesting to see how that plays out and yeah yeah good job to them i think this this tournament especially showed you know when it's your weekend it's your weekend and bradley williams played great the first two rounds like phenomenal and then the second round started out i think two for two he absolutely pured the shot on hole two it was sick um and then i think it was hole five was that first like 250 foot throw in that he had and it was funny because his first shot leaked left he went to throw a forehand turned it over and it's like oh crap now you're in bad position now it's a potential bogey with the way that hole ends out and he just, he literally just throws it in dead center uh, not trying to but at the same time it's like when it's your weekend it's your weekend and it, it was awesome to see that the house of highlights is literally what that tournament was which was really really cool to see (laughs) i don't want to dive into it too far but i think this course is really a player's course you see a lot of other especially temporary courses get very very tough with ob scattered all around you know baskets either elevated or on hills this has a lot of friendly positions and a lot of friendly throws where you really just get the Mm -hmm. best out of players you're not seeing you know nasty rollaways right behind the basket you're seeing kind of a little Mm -hmm. bit of backstop in a few holes and on those holes, you've seen people run it from hundreds of feet out. Uh, and, and you get these highlights. Of course, I, the yeah. Bradley Williams throw in was, you know, a, a nasty, you know, kind of uh, left yeah. or right moving backhand that like yeah. that was just a sick shot. And uh, credit. Yeah. To him. Oh, yeah. But I, I think that's just coming from maybe a, a player on tour being Calavisca. Uh, he designed a course for the players. You know, he's not necessarily mm-hmm. a, a professional course designer in the sense of that's all he does. Um, and so he's not trying to, you know, kind of, uh, what's, what's the word that I'm saying? Kind of like, I'm almost saying hurt the players, but of course that's not what they're trying to do, but like mm-hmm. just challenge them at mm-hmm. every single step. And it's a mental challenge as much as it's a physical mm-hmm. challenge where kale is just creating an awesome atmosphere for disc golf, just to thrive on its own. Can we talk exactly. for just a quick minute about Kyle Klein? Like we haven't really seen him much this year at all. And by see him, I mean, like, you know, you got to be relevant. You got to be on the podium at least once to get the conversation flowing. And well, here it is. But coming out of last year, it was a lot more. So it's like, is he is he does he thrive in the latter half of the seasons? Because we're going to see Maple Hill where he's done good before. And now, like we're seeing him at preserve. Will we see him play good at Idlewild if he's there? I don't know if he's registered. But like the point is, like, it's good to see him here. It kind of still tells you. And I don't think anyone questioned that he couldn't perform. Like that was never the mm-hmm. question, but why wasn't he? And so it's interesting to see it here. Is is it a tale for what's to come or, you know, a predictor? I don't know, but it's good to see. 
And yeah, it's especially when his when his putting is on. I mean, he's got incredible forehand, incredible backhand. I think his one knock right now is I don't want to say inconsistency with the putt, but when it is slightly off, he's a pretty powerful putter. And so a lot of times, you know, he makes those, you know, let's say it's a birdie putt, misses it, it might blow by the basket, and then all of a sudden now you got even a tough par putt. And so if you're not capitalizing on all your putts, then you know, it's just not your day, but his backhand drive is incredible. His forehand, he's got a great forehand game. And so seeing him come up on these tournaments, um, I think he'll do great, especially with Ledge, or um, Idlewilds coming up. I mean, he's got to defend that one, so I'd, I'd hope he signed up for it. I'll say Paige Pierce, obviously 70th. You said that, Evan. Yeah, he is. So I, I didn't say oh, that, you didn't but say I was that. meaning to get to well, it. Well, I've talked to you enough that I felt like that was the case. Probably. So I don't want to glance over it, but I want to go right back to MPO, and then we can go to that maybe to close out this conversation. Simon Lazat tied for third, but he was there and able to likely get a win. Like mm-hmm. he didn't. And I say likely, my point is he was easily within striking distance if Bradley didn't keep it up. That's incredible. Let's go back real quick to um OTB open. That was uh second place, right? And then it was uh, no OTB open was his win. You're thinking dynamic dis open, which was second place. Second place, mm-hmm. and then OTB was first. And then he did back-to-back first Portland Open. And then he goes here and yeah. he gets third. We don't need to have the conversation right now, but I will put it out there. I think it would be hard to argue anybody else as being a hotter player on tour right now. It's it's really, I don't want to say weird, because I've never seen Simon be the hotter or hottest player on tour ever in my life, besides amazing trick shots and excelling at showing off. This is a different Simon than we've ever seen. So anybody who's new to the sport, it makes sit back and enjoy it. It's crazy. Yeah. It makes you wonder, like, what changed in a sense? Like, well, he's, he's obviously been able to do all these shots. <laughs> yeah, but he's obviously always been able to do all these shots that he's doing on the road just right now. And I think this will also kind of play into the Descure discussion later. Okay. Which it, it, my, my short answer, and I've talked to him a little bit, but my short answer is I think it's dialing it back to what he keeps calling 80%. If you, if you throw your hardest throws ever, nice. Nick, yeah, how, are, do you feel like you're as accurate as when you're throwing as hard as you can or when you're, like, no, exactly no. but his 80 yeah. percent is good enough and that's what's doing yeah. it i think he's able to be so controlled. that's what's filthy yeah. okay give us this yeah. last topic idea just maybe the stat on her 70th win what that means yeah i mean you said it 70th elite series or major win i mean that is if you if you if someone asked you how many wins uh that Paige pierce had you like, in elite series and majors <laughs> i don't know you, what would, I you would probably say a lot like 50 like you're like yeah wow she's probably already hit 50 no 70 and that's crazy. How I, long has she been playing for? I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Um, yeah, but, it's crazy. But like, that's way more than anyone else. I was I just going to say, give us like the next yeah, three. Think, up. Oh, man. Valerie Jenkins. Yeah, I'd have to pull it. Or Doss. I think it's like Valerie Jenkins. And she's got like 40 something. And I think mm-hmm. she's in the 40s. Katrina Allen's about the same. Maybe, 38. I think it was 38. Somewhere in there. How do you say that? Um, yeah. And, and the point is, everybody else is yeah. like way behind. Yeah, and of course, yeah. you wow. could say that there's more events now, but nah, I don't want to hear that. 70 is a ton, <laughs> no matter how many yeah. events there are in a season. Okay, awesome. Anything we missed, Nick, on the preserve? We're about to move on. Think no, we I think it? that's cool. about it, yeah. All right. so Decent payouts. Yeah. Oh, that is a talk, too, as we get off Bradley Williams taking down, you know, the first ever Pro Tour event, getting, what was it, like 2500 somewhere in the $2,000 range, I think. And this one, 8,000, that's so much 8, more. So yeah. He's like, wow, things have really improved. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, this product, DG Max Wax, I've used it so many times in the last week or two because it's starting to get really hot and humid, and I'm trying to get my grip consistent. 
I'm able to keep this on my fingers. I'll dry it off using a towel or a dry bag or whatever you want to use chalk bag. But I use this then to get that consistent grip. I find that it really helps me feel confident with my throws. I know Evan talks a little differently. He just likes the consistency. But it makes me believe like, oh, you don't have to worry about that. So this product is great. I know, Evan, you like the snap stick. Have you been using these lately? I'm a huge fan of the snap stick. It's just so easy to stick it in your pocket and like you don't even notice it. And I'm not a big pocket kind of guy. I get all my keys and wallets out, <laughs> but you don't even notice the snap stick when it's in there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Nick, do you think this is a great product or what? Absolutely. And funny enough, I actually saw I was checking in for my tournament on Saturday and I saw a little bottle of snap stick or a little chapstick thing of the snap stick right there on the TD scoring table. And the dude's like, yeah, I bought it when I heard about it on your show. It's incredible. He loves it. And we had a nice, hot, humid weekend. Mm. And he said he's using it the whole time. So Code Nick and awesome. Matt gets you 10% off. And I'm actually tossing across the studio right now to our up-and-coming guest, uh, a free uh, goodie of DG Max Wax, the snap stick, the mini marker. Um, and I might have something else to give them after, too. There's a little product that they haven't released yet, as far as I know. But <laughs> we'll keep that on the down low. Uh, dgmaxwax.com everybody thank you for sponsoring the show and everyone go support them it supports us all right without further ado the chat has been chanting they've been reporting the stream to to all of our streaming channels they have been just calling for it they don't want to hear us talk anymore but we've made it to that point in the show i think there's people in germany not simon listening i think there's people all around the world that are excited for us to introduce to the show everybody paul kranz the current and reigning amateur world champion how's it going paul Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're we're really excited. So in full disclosure, we know each other and we've yeah. known each other for a few years, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But our introduction was because you're local, number one, but number two, you how long have you been watching or listening to the Nick and Matt show? Like mm, almost the beginning. Probably since it started, yeah. And there was this guy in the chat. Sick. So I don't know if the chat knows this, but there was a guy in the chat named Paul Kranz. Is that your, I think that was probably your username. Yeah, I believe so. So people might recognize you. That was the guy two years ago I was chatting with. He's <laughs> in studio, everybody. He just got back this morning yep. to Massachusetts from his amateur world championship that he was able to take down. Um, there's so many things we could start out with, but congratulations on that. Thank How you. does it feel to be a, a world champion in something? Uh, mind blown. I don't have a, it, it's, it feels really good. I, I don't. I don't, uh, still haven't fully, uh, grasped it. Okay. I can imagine that I'm not a world champion in anything. (laughs) Okay. So let's just, let's start. Let's, let's give people a little bit of a context here. So they hear you win am worlds and like, good. He's probably been playing since he was two, but let's go back. (laughs) How did you find your start in disc golf? Like what, what was the start for you? Uh, my friend invited me to ultimate Frisbee. Um, and then about three months after that, uh, someone in the ultimate frisbee group uh, brought some discs and I was interested because they flew farther so mm-hmm. I, I liked the I liked how they looked and and the size I mean it was just uh, amazing so I I asked if I could uh, borrow two or three of them and then I just started throwing them at trees and at bushes as my target so started started uh July 2019 2019 so pre-pandemic we're gonna do this in disc golf forever pre-pandemic he's not a pandemic boomer he's right before it but that's not that long ago no almost three years not even almost three years so yeah nick says that's filthy i (laughs) guess my follow-up to that is 
are you naturally talented with sports or is this something that you've just discovered as being your thing? I've ne- I've never played a sport before disc golf. Come on. I, I was a really? video, I was a video gamer. I've never My man, good for you. <laughs> I, I never played a sport before it. So Wow. So ultimate, and now you're world yeah. champion in disc golf. That's <laughs> like, that's world. insane. Like okay. Well, this is interesting. Do yeah. you consider yourself an athlete at this point? Or what do you, how do you consider yourself? I mean, you just took down AM Worlds, but like to get to this point. What did you consider yourself? I I guess athlete. I'm not sure. I I'm playing a sport now, and I want to be a professional at it. So, athlete is a good word. So, what did it take to not the actual play by play to win Am Worlds, but what did it take to get to the place in your skill level where you could do that? Like, is it a lot of work, or were you just yeah. really that naturally that talented? No, like tell it, us about it. It was two full summers of putting and throwing into a net. Uh, I have a backyard of probably about 250 feet of uh, wooded gap. So I spent two full summers just throwing up and down, up and down. So it was a lot of outside practice. And that's one thing that I enjoyed. I I enjoyed being out there just throwing, even though I wasn't playing an actual round. So mm-hmm. is it true? Because I think I remember talking to you on the course someday i think you watched a wa- you watched a lot of what am i saying that's crazy you watched <laughs> nice. yeah. you watched a lot of like youtube of players form yeah and i want to just give you the credit due paul uh simon lazat on one of his channels or somewhere in social media posted your throw mm-hmm. and said this is what good form looks like is that accurate sure i don't like you don't say, remember that I, I do i do remember yeah he posted okay. it on instagram okay so he did say that so yeah. i'm not making you say nope. it nope <laughs> but he said that can i ask is it literally just watching youtube and trying to record your did you record yourself like how did you get that yeah form? so watching youtube understanding trying to figure out the the basic of it and then for me i i uh recorded every single throw into a net so I've recorded thousands of videos of myself and it's just throwing into a net and I, I didn't really know what I was changing, but I, I was changing what I didn't like the look of. So if I didn't, if I didn't like the way it looked, I changed it. Wow. But I, during that time I was changing things, I knew I kind of understood like the basics of it. So I spent the two full summers, uh, when I first started throwing into a net and throwing in my backyard, recording videos, changing things I didn't like. So, I mean, I recorded so many videos of myself. Obviously, mm-hmm. I had to delete them because not enough storage <laughs> on a phone, but. Oh, no, we need yeah. it for the archives you, in the future. Yeah. Do you um do you feel comfortable with what your form is now? Or do you feel like you're still consistently trying to tweak just something in the smallest measure? I don't spend as much time on it because I know now things will just start falling into place with consistency and and throwing more smooth so i I haven't spent as much time but there are every week or so that i feel off and i go back to what i was doing during the summers and recording videos making the small tweaks if i feel off in, in some area like there there are some things that i'm still working on so i'm i'm not to where i want to be but i'm getting pretty close i guess in PDGA ratings are always a, a fun debate topic on any podcast show, but have you ever in the last three years, did you become a PDGA member like right away or? I think my, 
I think I got it in 20, 2019, I believe. Oh, so pretty much the yeah, same. Yeah, my first okay. tournament was MVP Open M side. Okay. So you got that. Can you remember if there was a time, and there probably was, but I'm just generally curious, like a time where your rating went down, or has it always gone up? It has gone down. I started out at 965. Started out at 965. <laughs> started out at 965. <laughs> I think I went down to 956. Okay. I don't know if I went lower than that. But then, like, it's um, always gone. Oh, Evan here can probably <laughs> read it for you. We got Statmando in the house. Go ahead. Yeah, I stuff. just pulled it up. You're, you're correct. It was 965, then it went down to 956. Yeah. It never went lower than that. Up to 979, back into the 60s, mm -hmm. and then continued to rise from there. Yeah. Okay, so once you got out of the 970s, it sounded like you continued to rise. You're 1,001 rated right now <laughs> as of the last update, so you're in the thousands. Um, you could give Nick a run for his money or vice versa. It's probably be mm -hmm. a pretty intense battle. But what did you... Average yeah. at Am Worlds, uh, ten twelve. Okay, ten twelve. I thought I saw ten nineteen, but maybe that's unofficial. That was after round four. Okay, <laughs> cool. So, incredible performance out of you. And realistically, I mean, can you count two thousand nineteen as a full year? Not really. So no. maybe like two and a half, two years you've been playing. Yeah. You have the dedication to improving your your skill. Um, I have questions relating to other interesting topics, but I wanted to ask like what is it going to take for you because you said you would like to be everyone wants to argue you're pro <laughs> right now like in the sense of like your skill is there mm -hmm. but like <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get to that like are you do you want to announce here like what's your plan to go pro uh i'm i'm moving up after this i i'm my next pro tournament is uh next this coming weekend actually and if i cash i'm accepting it Everybody, oh, you're gonna do amps. Well, actually, you can still technically do amps. Nick and Matt show right. exclusive. Nick and Matt show exclusive. He, could you do amps? I don't know. His yeah. rating would be too high. No, I can't do it. I think Even if rating, he didn't accept cash, if he no. doesn't accept, if I if I don't accept, I can. Yes. Oh, once okay, he gotcha, accepts, gotcha. he's but over. I think nine seventy. If mm -hmm. you accept cash, I think that's so. It. Is that the rule of it? To where if like you accept cash, say you were nine fifty rated, you accepted cash, you would still be able to play the yeah. amp side. Yes. Yep. Gotcha. You can't, okay. Because I was gonna say I, yeah. Go ahead. Unless if it's a uh, M only event, no matter what, if you if you accept cash, I believe, like if they like M worlds, you have to have no accepted cash, no matter your rating. Yeah. So, yeah. But for MVP M side, it it's uh below below nine seventy and accepted cash, mm -hmm. you can play. Man, gotcha, the PDJ gotcha. has okay. it all wrong though. They've listed him as M. And I'm a pro. We've, it's all backwards. <laughs> we'll go outside and putt and decide it later who's the better guy. It's going to be him. Um, I'm going to put my money on Paul. So yeah. So I don't know if I officially asked the question. I said, when are you? Okay, so you're going pro. But so what is it going to take for you to get better and better? Is it time? Or do you see things in your game that you're already like, I know I need to get this better and I have like a plan to do it or I'm going to work on it? Like, what are those things? Uh yeah, it, it's going to be time. I, I still have to put in a lot of work. I mean, it's just getting the reps in. And I mean, getting consistent is all about the time. I mean, there's people who have been playing for so long and they're just more accurate, more consistent for, than, than I am. So it, it'll it be much more practice. Um, I have to work on my circle two putting if that's, that's one thing that I need to know, uh, to, need to work on. He'll talk about what he needs to work on, and that's a sign of a champion. But he he didn't acknowledge that Simon said his form was amazing. No, he did. He said it's true. <laughs> yeah. That's a very humble person. The chat's calling you out for that as well. Very humble. Um, so 
there's a few questions that I'd love to talk about. I know you've got the time because you told me you did. So let's get into some of them here. We're going to go back a little bit. Some people might recognize the name on the national level because you were at the U.S. Amateur Disc Golf Championships mm -hmm. like two weeks ago. Yeah. First of all, it's a lot of championships to fit in a couple week period, but you did both. And you were, I'll let you kind of tell it, but you were in the lead going into the last hole of the U.S. Amateur Disc Golf Championship in the lead. And Ilkin Grow, who we now know as the champion, mm -hmm. spoiler, hit a putt to push a playoff, and it went seven holes. And ultimately, you didn't come away with the victory. But I found some really intriguing insight, and I don't know if you're willing to share it here, but before the show, you were telling me the feeling difference between Am Worlds and Am, I guess, Nationals, we'll call it. What was the difference in feeling? Because one probably was way more intense. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that. Yeah, well... M Nationals was much more emotional. So going three rounds at Toboggan, mentally draining. Their course is so long. But to go three rounds and then the final round to, to play at a very high level and then to go into it, like, I, I was never in first in that tournament until hole 18. So I, oh, I, went, right. I went every hole behind the leader and then to, to gain a stroke on 17 and take the lead. That was exciting. Uh, 18 at Toboggan, I have a disadvantage on because I don't, I can't really forehand it there. Um, there's no OB on the hole for this tournament. Oh, but oh, they don't put the left side OB. No, there's no OB at on the entire really? course. Really? Oh, so, really? No, yeah. stop it. There's no OB on the hole. <laughs> so 17, you can just land wherever. One, two, mm -hmm. three, you can just land wherever. Yep, dude. It, it was that's insane i i kind of wish there was ob because i feel like the oh, accuracy, so dumb. accuracy yeah. part for me is is a, an advantage but yeah yeah um yeah there's no ob on the course but 18 still plays pretty wow. tough for me i mean i can get a backhand up there fairly easy but that tree limb is definitely yeah. in the way for me more than a forehand um mm -hmm. but i i knew i knew ilkin and zach have a really good forehand so i knew they could gain a stroke on me there um i actually threw a really good backhand on it but uh it clipped the bottom of the tree branch and click uh kicked straight down and backwards basically so but it m m nationals was much more emotional uh to go seven holes in a playoff and then to lose it to an awesome putt I mean, it was, we were both landed exactly at 60 feet. Like the, if my rangefinder said 60 for my lie and his lie. So, um, I took the chance to, to try to put the pressure on him. I almost did, but the, the putt didn't stick. It wasn't quite high enough, but mm -hmm. to, to lose, to lose in that fashion almost makes me feel like I won for, for the experience reason. Mm. So, wow. Wise beyond his ears. The experience is incredible you can't buy that i told someone that the other day in a tournament so you can't buy experience yeah yeah fantastic can i ask you you just actually did something that i find incredible and i wanted to focus on it for a minute a lot of social media world was saying that you and others on the lead card should have called foot faults okay that's what they were saying i'm not here to debate whether it was or it wasn't mm -hmm. but they, there's people saying that you guys should have called that paul you'd be a champion today um, what do you have to say about that? Because I just heard you refer to it as a great putt. Okay, so like, how do you refer to that? Were you guys watching for foot faults? Like, how do you feel about that? You can't. You cannot tell. Right. His 
regular his his step putt looks like it's perfectly timed. They, you really can't tell in person. So all those people yeah. who are like using the video evidence <laughs> of of it and slowing yeah. it down, you can't tell in person. It's impossible. Mm. And then if you try to call him on it, it benefit goes to the player. Really, you're not gonna be able to stroke him on it, in my opinion. Well, what's What's the technical rule of that now? Isn't it like it used to have to be seconded? Does it have to be yeah. seconded anymore? Like yeah, if you, but, so mm-hmm. it still does have to be seconded, mm-hmm. right? Second in the in the playoff in the playoff, I wasn't, I was able yeah. to to call him on foot faults, but I, I mean, it it ultimately came down to the uh, official, so mm-hmm. I couldn't call him on anything. But really, I I didn't even think about it because it it looked legal. So hey, yeah. We heard it out of Paul Cran's mouth, the the guy who pushed seven holes in the playoff, that to them it looked fine. So anyone else who's saying it, you obviously cared about Paul and you you wanted him to win, and I'm sure Paul wanted to oh, win. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it, but it's it's in hindsight, and it's always the moment of it's like, hey, like I can't mm-hmm. call that. So that's that. Let me say, let me yeah, say one yeah, more thing. Say it. I when I found out that it was a footfall, I did not care because ultimately he made the putt. Sure, people might mm-hmm. think it's a big advantage, but I think a perfectly timed step putt versus that slight footfall makes no difference for 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 what I think it, at least. Okay. So mm-hmm. I I, mm-hmm. I am amazed on how clutch he was, and it it was awesome to watch. Awesome to watch. Uh, it, could I go as far as you've made a disc golf friend? Like, is is he? Would you call him that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's a he's a good friend of mine now. I mean, cool. He he's awesome. Awesome. We well, smacked him around at World, yeah. so obviously, you know, your friendship still lives. I think you beat him by nine over at the World Championships. And so this is kind of something where, like Harry had just said in the chat, um, World Champion sounds better. When you're going into this year and you're looking at both these events, obviously your goal is to win both of them. Mm-hmm. What, though, if you were to pick one of them, which one would you have rather won? Oh, uh, we talked about this a little bit before. I, all right, I think Am Worlds because it's more of a mm-hmm. skill, skillful win, I guess, because mm-hmm. you're playing three courses. One of them's open, one of them's tightly wooded, one of them's uh, park style golf. So you have to be accurate. You have to be. You have to be able to mm-hmm. throw far. You have to be able to stay in bounds. You have to be able to make putts in the wind and in no wind. So to play five rounds versus three, and then to play three courses versus mm-hmm. one, it all it. I feel like it shows the more skilled, um, rounded game. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thoroughly impressed. When I saw you walk through my doors tonight to come into studio, I was like, I have had world champions here where you're sitting right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I, Paul Macbeth, Avery Jenkins, Simon, you're not a world champion yet, but you have a lot of accolades. And we could go down the list of players who have been here in studio. I said, but I've never had a friend like prior to becoming a champion come in and be a mm-hmm. champion. It's really cool to see that, mm-hmm. Paul, out of you. I've mm-hmm. always respected your game and your what you do out there, and you do it with a lot of humility, and that's fantastic. People love that. You're, mm-hmm. People have referred to you as um, the mini Simon Lazat. How does that make you feel? Uh, good, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and you've been able to play a few rounds with him. Yep. I, I think three now. You got his phone number? No. Nope. Oh, I'll give you that. <laughs> Simon, do I have permission to give Paul Kranz your phone number? Okay. Um, so let's talk about sponsorships. I've seen double G craft jerky hats. I've seen Sunstein hat tonight. Mm-hmm. I saw disc golf nine, seven, eight. I saw all these, like, I don't want to call them off brands. No offense, Sunstein or double G craft jerky, but like no major disc manufacturer, like 
we hang out with Simon, like no mm -hmm. disc mania or yeah. Nick is on here and he's on the tour team for Discraft. Like, mm -hmm. are there any teams? Oh, you're wearing disc mania shirt right now. Yeah. Like, are there any teams one that you would love to be on the team of, or are you just waiting? Uh, I could, I could, I could take a gander at what he would say he'd like to be on. Uh, I wonder. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to be on disc mania, but I, I don't look at disc golf as, at, as early I am uh, in my career, I don't look at it as I need to be sponsored. I don't mm -hmm. want to be sponsored to say I'm sponsored. So to wait for the right sponsor and to, to pick up the, the ones that will benefit me for the long run is kind of what good. I'm waiting for. Good on you. To any amateur or even local pro out there right now, listen to that answer over and over and over. Yeah, There's no reason, unless... Unless they're giving you an incentive to really help out your future in your career. Yep. Like for me, Discraft does a ton to support me. Resistance and my apparel company do amazing things to support me, which is why I've chosen those sponsors. But like going into it, before I decide to take disc golf as seriously as, as I do now, joining the Discraft Underground was just because I really, really liked their discs. And I figured if someone's going to help me out, it's a good stepping stone. But if you're getting a sponsor just to have a sponsor and almost just make the back of your shirt look like a NASCAR shirt, it's not, <laughs> it, it's almost like too saturated at that point, you know, but when you're looking at it as this is what I want to do for a full career, you're making huge strides without a sponsorship. Do you throw all disc mania right now? Anyways? No, I throw some in You have a couple, you throw some in Yeah. Destroyers, Wraith, Gator. Okay, gotcha. So for the most part, you, you are pretty loyal to Discmania and Innova, though. Those mm -hmm. are your two main manufacturers. What would change, in a sense, if you were to get sponsored by them? Like, it, I'm saying that just kind of like speaking out loud. But right now, you're making the right decision of like, you're throwing what you would like to throw, what yeah. feels comfortable to you, and you're playing disc golf how you want to be playing disc golf. Yeah. So whether your team Discmania is on the back of your shirt or not, you're still going to be Paul Kranz, who just won the world championships for the amateur division whether or not it was team disc on the back of it. And so yeah. anyways, everyone go back and listen to that answer. Cause it's incredible. <laughs> I agree. I, that's what we've been banging. I've been banging that drum for a while. And I know I, I don't want to spill everyone's opinions mm -hmm. here, but there was other relevant people in the sport. They're like, talk about that. Like people just taking sponsorships and getting used. And I think it's interesting what people mm -hmm. will do for a disc golf bag. And that's without calling out any names. It's just, it yeah. sounds like Paul shares yeah. a similar opinion. Um, no offense to those people. Um, so strength of your game, if you could only pick one aspect, like I'm saying, you can only pick one thing. What are you going to go to as saying that is my strength? Circle one putting. I went one, I went rounds one through three and the first eight holes around four with a hundred percent circle one X. And if you want to know anything about those courses, it's literally only circle one putting for birdie. And uh, usually around like 25, 30 feet. The, the, cor the courses are short, so like you don't really... It, a good shot lands to 15 feet, a bad shot lands to 30. Mm. So I, I went three full rounds, 100% circle 1x putting. Wow. And did, you, did you enjoy the courses? Oh, I loved them. I, I loved nice. Them. They were fair. They didn't have okay. like the, the stupid middle trees and they, they were fair. <laughs> So yes. you're still you're still pretty young. <laughs> I'm gonna give your... you the middle tree. That's my new thing from here on out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you're still pretty young in your career. And so have you played tournaments to where you just hate the course? Uh 
<laughs> he or doesn't want to burn. That's a strong word, but like strongly dislike. It. You don't have to say the course, but like, yeah. have you played tournaments where you yes. really didn't like the one, courses? One tournament. Did, okay, did that change? Like, how did you do at that tournament? I had my worst round on that course, <laughs> lowest rated okay, round gotcha. of, the, of my career. Oh, I'll look it up. Go back and see exactly what course it is. It's not that layout, but it's one of the layouts. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So the reason I'm saying that is because when you go to a tournament and you just feel good being there, as in like the course is incredible to play, I think it just adds so much more to almost how much better you can play on it. Like when you're enjoying yourself and you're having a good time, you, I, I personally think you're going to shoot better for that reason. I mean, there have been plenty of times where. 501. Yeah, go. Mm-hmm. 501. I I love that course so much. Mm-hmm. Like the the mm-hmm. Sunstein event in the rain. Yeah. I still love that course. Yeah. In 501 for anyone who players. cares. It's it's local to Maple Hill like 20 mm-hmm. 30 minutes west. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great course. Shout yeah. out. Sure. No, that's awesome though. You went, you know, you traveled. I'm assuming you and your dad drove out there, right? Yeah, my me Your dad, dad caddied all and, week? Yeah, my dad caddied and mm-hmm. my mom was there too. Oh, nice. Okay. So shout out to I'm seeing in the chat his name's Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Kranz. Okay. Shout out to Tom Kranz because yep. that man caddied all weekend yep. for you. And that, that's awesome. Five rounds um, and tell, almost 100, 100 degree weather. Tell me about, if you can, what are, you know, what were his emotions like for it? You know, did he tear up watching you hit that final putt? You know, what are like, what'd you notice out of your dad? Uh, I don't know, honestly. He came okay. over and gave me a hug and then. I went over and hugged my mom. I think he started tearing up a little bit, but mm-hmm. I mean, he's not very emotional. So, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. He, he was a he was happy, definitely. Okay, okay. Tom Kranz, the Innova. Tom Kranz, <laughs> yeah. I like I like Papa Kranz too. He's pretty cool, man. Um, I I love yeah. seeing the fact that you came around before you could drive, so we got to meet both you and your dad at yeah. a lot of events. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't know if this is a spoiler for anybody, but those who know you, you're homeschooled, mm-hmm. okay? And so we can say that we know that of Ricky Wysocki, too. And I'm not sure. I think there are other players who are in the same boat. I but think I'm, Eagle. I was just going to say, I think Eagle. If we, So it's good company. And I guess just from your perspective, you're still in the homeschooling stage. Like yep. You're still you're 17. Yeah. Uh, did you just finish your junior year? Or I, did, I have one more year left. Okay, so. one more year. So do you think being homeschooled offers an advantage for up and coming, I'll just say athletes or disc golfers? Do you feel like you have an advantage? I, I've heard Ricky talk about this. What's your I, opinion? I guess it, it is an advantage because you have more flexible free time. Um, you can wake up early, get school done. You can do school in, in the evening or at night. So I'd, mm-hmm. I'd say it's an advantage. You can choose your time to, to practice. You got to manage your time, though. <laughs> which yeah. i don't do well so does your school have a club team or not <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah sponsored by the parents or no nope. okay um so we're still waiting nice. on a sponsorship you're homeschooled working hard at this you're in the summer now I, again spoiler alert for anybody he mows lawns <laughs> i don't know how big of a part that is for you getting paid into tournaments but sponsorship that i believe you're going to get i mean i don't know if you even <laughs> want it but i believe it's going to come hopefully they take care of everything for you you're really good uh, you say you want to go on the pro tour. What's it going to take? Do you have a vision for like, Hey, I'm going to wait till I graduate from high school. I'm just going to play local pro like regional. Like what's your, what's your kind of forward thinking here? Well, I will be waiting to make a full final decision until I graduate. So I have to, I'm going to wait till, uh, at least 2024 to, 
to make a decision, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping to, I believe I was invited to USDGC for this year, so I'm going to try to go to that. <laughs> You're um, going to try? Yeah. I, wow. My dad already took three weeks vacation, so. I'll bring <laughs> you down, okay? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure there's plenty of people up in Massachusetts who would happily, I'll meet, you can yeah, stop at saying. my house down here in Virginia, and we will go together. You know, okay. we can do all those we'll things. We'll make it work. Everybody, yeah. Paul yeah. Franz to USDGC, yeah. yeah. it's happening. And then, and then next year, uh, I was also invited to Champions Cup, so I'm going to try to nice. try to play that. Try? Well, no. all, right, that, all right, that that one is... a. Most likely a definite play. Oh, dude, we gotta get you a van. We just gotta get you <laughs> a van. He's already on the van. It, you know, I'll put a hundred bucks into it. There you go. There, there's my. You if get my we, Nick Carl sponsorship. In, in some serious way, like if we started a GoFundMe, he's like rich after tonight's show. <laughs> All, okay, I'll say this: all super chats given tonight on the Nick and Matt show no, 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 don't go straight chat. to Paul Kranz. No. Don't super chat though. Message me for the PayPal. That way, we don't get the money taken out for the super chats. Nope. It's super bad. Yeah. I will say you can super chat get you to USDJC, but it takes out a significant amount. Okay, cool. Well, that's a lot of discussion. Is there anything we missed that you're like, dude, like, I just want people to know. No. Okay. <laughs> He's a man of few words. <laughs> yep. And that's uh, awesome. Uh, okay. So we're going to get into Statter Fiction. He's a longtime fan of the show and we're friends. And so he gets an opportunity to actually participate as the guest, so let's go ahead and get into it. Stat or Fiction, presented by Stat Mando. Oh, look at the scores. He's already in the lead, as it should be. <laughs> Would you look at that? Yeah, I know, I'm laughing, because before <laughs> the show, Evan goes, hey, did you clear out the scores? All right, anyways. I was on it, everyone who's watching. <laughs> We're gonna blame uh, Ben on that one. Just kidding, Ben, you're doing great. <laughs> He's not even looking at me. No, he's oh. over there, like almost sad. That's the saddest <laughs> I've ever seen you. <laughs> Look at the office he's in right now. Yeah, wait, go back. To oh that. yeah, the background. I forgot, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a star- stock market day trader today. <laughs> Here we go. All right. So this is presented by Stat Mando, a good time satter fiction. He knows how to play, so we can get right into it. Awesome. So we just had a bunch of AM majors in a row, and a bunch. I mean, two. Um, but now we're hitting a pro major this coming weekend. We got U.S. women's out in Wisconsin. So I got a little. <laughs> what? <laughs> you said Wisconsin like you're from Wisconsin. <laughs> Did you do it on purpose? I, was, I don't know. <laughs> Wisconsin. Anyways. So Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Uh, All right. So I'll say it in the blandest way possible. Uh, so I got some questions around that or statements, I guess. So stat or fiction number one. Paige Pierce's win percentage in majors is 39%, the highest of any FPO player with at least five starts in majors. 39%? Yeah, so Paige Pierce's win percentage in majors is 39%. She has won 39% of the majors she's played in FPO. That's incredible. The highest of any FPO player with a minimum of five starts. So it's kind of a two-parter. Yeah. Fiction. Five starts to a major, at least, and she's won 39%. Uh, that is incredible. Of all time. This isn't going back to 2010. This is all time. Oh, man. I said fiction. Sorry. I, I'm going to say fiction as well, and I know everyone's waiting for me to elaborate, as in, like, take all the time. Yes, I am the Nico of the show. <laughs> but 
I'm going to say that because I'm going back to like Elaine King, Juliana Corbett. Like they have five. She has five. And they were playing a lot longer before that. Uh, it's got to be really close, though, Nick. I'm going to say fiction. What do you think, Paul? Mm, I'll go with fiction as well. Okay, well, we're not. no one's pulling <laughs> their head here. This is his AM yeah. world technique, too. Yeah. <laughs> Evan could get a point right now. I could, yeah. We don't play with those rules too often. But this is fiction. You guys got it. Nick, you were, you were quick on it, so I'm going to give you the floor real quick. Why did you say fiction? I just want to say I think Elaine King has a better percentage, and that's really – I was like, it's either between Elaine King, but then when Matt had just said Juliana Corver, I said that's a pretty good one, and then also Valerie maybe Jenkins. Valerie Dawes. Yeah, or Dawes, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. so Elaine King's win percentage is 17%, actually. Seven wins wow. from 39 oh. starts. Uh, Des Redding's 22%. Katrina Allen's 23 I forget who else you guys said. So was the stat percentage Valerie, just wrong? Valerie Jenkins was 32%. Juliana Corver was 33%. Actually, Chris O'Cleary uh, was 37%. And yes, Paige Pierce's percentage was actually 47.06%. So we got it right for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and yep. I mean, I'm, exactly I'm not going to nitpick Unless it. Unless Paul Kranz thought that. What did, did you think like we did? Yeah, I, the, the percent was pretty high. It seemed like. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Be- before we go to the next question, Paul, you are a youngling in the disc golf world right now. Three years, not even three years. What is your like encyclopedia ness with disc golf? Like, do you <laughs> no, go back and know like, oh yeah, in two thousand nine, this nope. dude did this at this tournament? Nope, not a whole lot. That one was. So you're just in the mainstream. Me, but I was <laughs> gotcha. going off of okay. kind of not what you guys said, but just uh, the I can't whole... wait till you have to go first. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> All right, so going into the next one. Elaine King has the most total throws in FPO majors with 15,648. What? Wait, one more time. Yeah. <laughs> Elaine King has the most total throws in FPO majors with 15,648 total throws. FPO majors, she has the most, 15,000, whatever. Um, it is me first. Elaine King. She's still playing. I don't know if she's still playing majors as much. Um, fiction. I'm going to go stat. All right. We're getting some points on the board here. I'm going to go stat as well. But now that I've said my answer, <laughs> is this including, is this including like masters majors and stuff uh, like that? F- like FPO only. Okay. Yeah. You might've said that and I just missed it, but okay. I'm still going to think stat. All right. This is fiction. And that number is correct, by the way. It's Uh, just not the most. It's just not the most. So Elaine King is at 15,648. Valerie Jenkins has the title at 15,712. So I actually haven't even looked at the registration for U.S. Women's. But if for some reason Elaine King plays an FPO, she'll she have it. Could take the record over Val Jenkins, <laughs> who I'm gonna assume is not going to play. Wow. And but, I didn't get the follow-up on that to say like who I thought it was, but in my head, I I just I was rolling the dice that she was not first, but, and, or the most. 
I mean, you got to first remember worlds used to be what, like seven, eight, nine, right. 10, 11, yeah. 12, yeah. 13 rounds. rounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> they had quite the number of strokes back then. Um, Des Redding is in third with around 11,000. Paige Pierce is at 9,994. She is six away from that 10,000 throw mark. Oh, Elaine <laughs> King is not playing. Oh, by the uh, way, Evan, United States woman's. The chat's calling you out. I knew it would be fiction just because he usually does one fiction and one fact <laughs> and was called out for it. So now he changed. Oh, my god. <laughs> They're goodness. figuring you out. We should go yeah. back and do a stat or fiction on the stat or fiction. Yeah, little do they know I, I have this pile of <laughs> yeah. questions and then I put them through a random number generator. Yes. So you're mad at the computer and not me. <laughs> People won't believe it. Yeah, I'll I'm totally joking on that. But... I oh, man, that's do so funny. don't think about no, it. No, but it's still so funny. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We're playing the game. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Final one. Yeah. I'm <laughs> leading somehow. All right. Paige Pierce has earned more cash from her FPO major wins than Katrina Allen has earned in cash from all of her FPO major starts. I've got my oh FPO major starts. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, I got my answer. Paul, you're up though. So I'm going to say it again because yeah, it is a little tricky. Paige Pierce has more cash from her wins at FPO majors. Mm -hmm. And Katrina Allen has total cash from all of her FPO major starts, whether she won, came in second, third, so on. Oh, I'm changing my answer. Uh, fiction? You're up, Nick. Yeah. I, I, I got to take the full 30 seconds on this one. <laughs> dee, dee, dee. Uh, I'll skip over them. I don't feel like I have an advantage to do that. So no, I go for it. I was going to say stat, but then I just remembered Katrina took down the last worlds and that was a significant payout, but we're talking all time. I'm going to say saying so much. This is a tough one. What's Evan going to do chat? Is he going to go? Yeah. Uh, what's my formula? I don't even know. So I need to be told. I'm going to say stat. See, this is where I'm panicking right now because <laughs> it has to one, be I have to play it to where, it, well, no, 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 but so oh, the last wait, one, what's the name? What's wait. the name Ben of that guy? What do we Steve do? Steve Falco. Steve Falco, shout out for you. They were playing the game. Nick, go ahead. Try to go for would the this win. Be, would this be fiction, fiction, fiction? No, no, I have stats. So if you guys go fiction. No, no, no but I'm saying, like, what what have the two answers been so far? Is it fiction, oh, fiction? Oh. That's what yeah, I mean. See, I, I need to run the numbers and see how many times we've had all stats, all fictions, how many it's now, been in these orders. Because now it's like, I, I have to go fiction to win. Because I, I think it is fiction, Steve Falco, but then I'm going fiction, fiction, Steve fiction, Falco, and I hate out. that. So you always I, 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 I was going to go fiction anyways, so fiction. And by the way, the reason we're saying Steve Falco so much is because he is like a dedicated, we're assuming dedicated, because just about every show, he's like, write down the answers and we won't have this problem for like a year. So shout out, Steve. We love you. All right. So if, if I'm wrong, then it's tied three ways. Otherwise I win. All right, go ahead. All right. And if I'm seeing it right, the chat, this is a close one. 58% to stat. The answer is stat. Woo! They don't call me stat Graham for nothing. Yeah. Three for three. Let's go. Uh, this is a wild one. Uh, Paige Pierce has $45,603 from her wins at FPO majors. Uh, Katrina Allen has 44,669. So a little under a thousand dollar difference. Here's how I played it out. If anyone wants to know, All right, I knew us. what Evan was going to do because of the algorithm. No, okay. <laughs> the way I knew this in my head, it worked out and it's probably wrong, but I'm like, Paige Pierce has more wins 
at majors, okay, than Katrina. And then it, Katrina only has two. And then the other ones where neither of them are winning, like Paige isn't like placing. Oh, it's according to her wins. That's right. It's FPO majors. So Katrina only has seven FPO major wins. She only has two world championships. Sorry, right. But And we're talking about only Paige's wins. Yes. But either way, I felt like it was high enough. I don't know. Maybe. See, I got lucky. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I didn't pull a whole detailed (laughs) list of this to break it down. just broke down as I'm talking. I'm like, I'm I think you're onto it. Paige Pierce has 16 major wins, which is so many um and i mean you got to think about you know payouts being all the all the different variations through the years and how much winners are factored and you know winning is payout wise so much more important than coming in second third or fourth so even katrina allen's right there and still has seven wins but it's not 16 yeah well that was extremely fun so awesome that paul continued to stick around and join us for that um in all seriousness, you're free to go. You're free to stay. I know you were thinking of other things. So if you'd like, we'll say dismiss you from the show. And you can either sit there and hang out or feel free to go. Uh, but we were so awesome to have you on the show. Totally cool. Um, you need any candy or anything before you go to help with your game? Sure. Okay. What do you want? Jolly Ranchers? Peanut M&M's? Butterfingers? Sour uh, Patch Kids? Butterfingers. Butterfingers Yeah, watch. Day. It's just going to okay. explode. Pull up his camera. Yeah. Pull up his camera full that screen. A, that was a good catch. Yeah, full oh, screen on Paul Kranz. Ready? There oh. we go. <laughs> Look how many you got, though. Yeah, one grab. I just broke his throwing hand. No, he's holding the mic smartly. Okay, cool. Take what you want with that. Again, awesome to have you on the show, Paul. Anytime. Actually, you having me. We're going to make him a regular. That's what we're going to do. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. We'll get his insight as an amateur world champion. And b- stay, stay on the outlook for Paul, everybody. He's going to keep going and go far, and you'll say, you discovered him on the Nick and Mash show. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate you having me. <laughs> the chat's like, Thanks basically, Matt says, stay, leave, whatever. Well, that's because I, yeah, I know stay, he wants leave, to leave, but I'm want. trying to be nice and say, I don't want to leave, but off if you want to stay, then stay, brother. It's up See, to you. now it's not even me. Yeah, but if you do want to leave, you can leave. <laughs> exactly. But, like, if you want to stay, then, like, it's free. Like, stay. Yeah, whatever you want. All right, just shut off his camera and then <laughs> let him decide. All right, peace out, man. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> Still Okay, cool. Uh, let's talk about this product yeah. that Paul definitely doesn't need. Not yet. Well, no, he could use it. Yeah, yeah he should start using all it. all ages. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about it. Hemfield Botanicals. I said he doesn't need it, and then I'm realizing, like, I guarantee they're like, this product is for everybody. And I'm like, you know what? It actually is. It helps you feel good, which when you feel good, you play better. Hemfield Botanicals, everybody. This is a CBD cream, and this one that I'm holding in my hand is Muscle Recovery. Can I say this? I've been thinking this as I drive around, and I'm on vacation, and I'm using the product. I'm like... How do I get people to either believe that this is a great product or like I, I want to share the love of this product? And I was thinking to myself, just literally tell them whoever you're using currently, give him Field Botanicals a chance. Your next order goes through them. You use Nick and Matt code, you get 20% off. Use him Field Botanicals. They're supporting our show. They're supporting disc golf. It will help you feel better and you'll play better as well. This is the salve, and the salve is targeted pain relief. So not just your muscle recovery. And then I'm doing this one for Hannah again. This is the chapstick. And this is how I apply it. Hmm. Okay. Nick, you've been using this product at all. What do you think about it? I, I still got some left. Do you need more? No, I actually still have some. I, for the podcast show, just so people see it, I actually put it back up on oh, my shelving area over there. 
but normally it actually hangs out in my car or in my disc golf bag, just depending before or after a tournament or around or whatever. Um, I do like to apply it. My body has been in slightly more pain, so I've actually been using it a little bit more lately. Um, and I think that's just due to not working out as much as I should be and kind of treating my body like it should be treated. Uh, but luckily with the Hempfield Botanicals, that does help out when I need it to. So it is great, especially on my ankles and my back. Those are the two areas that I use it the most. You know what? This is the first time I've looked at the numbers on this thing. I just trusted Hempfield, and maybe I shouldn't have because I think it's a great product. I'm like, what's the big deal? But I was just looking, CBD 75 milligrams in the muscle recovery and 112 in the targeted. So it makes sense. CBD, the more you do, I guess, the more it's going to impact you. Uh, here's the little box, by the way, if anyone cares about the packaging. It's nice packaging. We like what they're doing over there. I was laughing, Nick. You said you have it in your bag, and I'm like, do not pull out the hemp field chapstick in place of the snap stick. Yeah. You will have a problem. Disc the chapstick I'm actually... For you. Yeah, the chapstick I'm actually out of because that gets applied all the time. So... All right. Well, that, that I'm out of. All right. Well, we'll have to get you more of that. But, yeah. uh, by the way, they're stocked up at Maple Hill. I see them when I walk in the pro shop. You can get them anywhere. Nice. So. All right, Dude, I actually, so I went to Maple Hill really quick when I was back in Massachusetts. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, my dad had just picked me up from the airport. I dropped him off at work, was driving back home, and passed by Maple Hill. And, dude, that pro shop looks sick now. Mm -hmm. Like, it is it is cool. Like and then I went up and saw the bleachers. Like... Yeah, it's yeah, got yeah, the, just, just that nice, like, that nice, I think they're, like, white shelving. And yeah. it just, like, it looks nice in there. It's completely, you know, the... um. Like the checkout register is pretty much in the back of it now. The lost and found is completely closed off, so you don't see that. And it's just set up very nicely. I really like it. And it's got a door now. There's no, <laughs> like, it's not a garage. It's well, amazing. Oh, like, wow, yeah. They t yeah, they took out yeah, the garage the door. Oh, yeah. It was I mean, very rustic. You'd walk yeah. through, like, a garage door, and it was, like, the middle of winter. So now yeah. it's well, actually, like, a like, barn retail. garage door, to be clear. It, yeah. It wasn't, like, someone's basement. <laughs> Like Marshall Street. Marshall Street used to <laughs> yeah. be. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just it's, curious, like how, how many more changes happen? Well, you know? I can tell you yeah. if you want. So they're working on bathrooms, but I don't know if it'll ever happen. Thanks. Yeah, to the and there's like Lester. a 15 floor bleachers uh, right behind hole one. Yeah, those are ginormous. Oh, the T pad yeah. on one's getting elevated a little bit. All like lots okay. of little cool things. More seating yeah. on hole eight. You'll it'll be exciting to see. It's going to be better than ever in a million dollar ace yeah. pot. How do we start talking about maple? It's just a great course. <laughs> yeah so all right well people are probably wondering like where is bradley williams because we have him in the show uh title and we're waiting on him he's very gracious to figure out a way to fit us into his schedule so we're going to wait a little bit longer but it is coming so if you made it to this point in the show it is coming okay so we're excited ben ben is off camera he goes to the store before he goes to marshall street before he comes in with a guest and he buys their tour disc so he can be like hey look i got your tour disc Go, go to your camera, Joel. Um, I did not do that. Sorry, oh. Matt. I just had these are ones I have. I had the Joel Freeman one, and then I had the Bradley Pig. I bought it about three months ago. Okay, but yeah, three months ago, as in three minutes ago. So yeah, when he shows on, I'll show him. Like I've been supporting you, Bradley. Come on now. I ain't, I ain't one of those newbies that are like, oh, he won. I'm a fan. Nope. Got your tour series. Same with Joel. Just be like that. I'm a disc golf fan, boys. <laughs> said it loud, said it proud. <laughs> wow, that was exciting. Yeah. So, anyways, in all seriousness, and I hate to do this to anybody, but if, you, if you're if you really looking for the interview, it's probably in about 20 minutes, and you're like, I don't need to hear the filler talk. 
we're going to filler talk, but some people love the filler talk because it gets them to their next destination on the road and they're like, I need more. So -hmm. let's go ahead and talk about some of this here. So um, Simon Lazat, I want us to kind of talk about it. Does anybody disagree? And this is FPO and NPO both together. Simon Lazat, is he the hottest player in disc golf right now? I'm not talking looks. I was about to say he's grown out that beard, saw, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, is it who wants to who wants to argue against that? And that's fine. I'm saying like I want to hear it, not because I'm like, you're wrong, but I'm like, I can't think of another player. You mentioned Ella. She, she's performed, but she doesn't have the wins. Like, yeah, is there, would, who's the other player? Is there another player? I say she's like that kind of like that rising stock, but I wouldn't call her, you know, the top yeah. player by any metric right now. I think like top number one player, that is. Not a top yeah. player. Who do you think, Nick? Um, in the MPO division, Simon was 100%. Like, but all disc it, golf. Uh, like, Kristen Tatar is right okay. up there as well, I feel like. I mean, I, I just think that mm-hmm. both of them are having incredible seasons. Good Kristen Tatar has been in contention at a majority of the events Good that she's call. been at. She's won a couple events. Um, second place at Champions Cup. Won the Yarva one that she just played. And then Simon Lazar kind of, like, takes a little bit of a break for injuries and then comes back and he's fine-tuned his game to this 80% throwing power. And he's coming out and he's winning in great fashion. His putting looks better than ever. I mean, realistically, yeah, I think Simon is the hottest player on tour. Like, uh, what's the next big event? Idlewild. I don't know if he's going to that. I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't pick Simon to win Idlewild. (laughs) There's your fire and there's your fuel, Simon. Yeah. I don't know if he's playing it. I mean, I can look really quick. But I mean, that's a great point, though, is. Oh, he is playing it. He is playing it. So uh, now let me kind of like go off of that. I wouldn't I wouldn't pick him like every single time. Like if we're talking last year as the favorite. Yeah, exactly. Like, would I pick him? Like, could he win this tournament? Absolutely. Simon Lazar is an incredible woods player. He's phenomenal in the woods. Don't get me wrong. But I just think that on a place like this, it's realistically it's anyone's game i mean we've talked in the past on how we don't think eagle is that great of a woods player but then eagle has won this tournament paul has won this tournament um i mean kyle Klein last year kyle Klein this was last year andrew yeah andrew marweed which yep playoff yep. i mean mm-hmm. so i think this is, this is a tough one to kind of pick a winner and especially with the year that we've been having so far it's really tough to consistently pick a winner week in and week out but when it comes to almost like a favorite as of late and the hottest player on tour, yeah, I would say Simon Lazat. I don't want to talk against him, but I do want to play like devil's advocate for the point of this discussion is think about the last four, even going back to Jonesboro. Uh, I think he was third in Jonesboro and then it was a second place win at OTB, win at Portland Open, and now a uh, second place at Preserve. All those courses are kind of similar in a very generic sense. You have Jonesboro and Preserve, who I feel are kind of similar in the sense that they're uh, the lines are very fair, but they're you know now turning into private courses that are just you know get a bunch of birdies. And then you have the kind of the two golf courses, well actually three with DDO, but I didn't want to include that here that are kind of turning into their own thing, and they're all kind of just more open, even if it's not um, like if it's OB. Or if it's like kind of like Jonesboro, where it's not really OB dependent. They're just like, they all kind of feel similar to me in a good way. And he's done so well at all those. But now we're going to start hitting this stretch where we're going to see like a totally different kind of course. And 
and to go back, I, I mentioned DDO in Portland, which both had non golf course uh, courses on those being Jones and uh, mm-hmm. Blue Lake. But those are kind of still like almost golf course style. A lot of a lot of open there might be OB, but there's not a lot of like tight gap fairways and whatnot. Uh, so hitting Idlewild, hitting uh, Ledgestone here soon. Um, I mean, Deagle is kind of the same, but it's like super demanding. And then I didn't even mention going over to Europe before that. Um, mm-hmm. Although I might say the beast is almost like kind of a mix between what we've been saying and, and more of a witted course. So I, my point being is I kind of want to see it hit this next stretch of different style courses. Simon can absolutely do it. Yeah. I'm not saying he can't do it in the woods, but he's really hot right now for the courses that we have been playing. And if he comes out and has a podium at Idlewild, I say no doubt. But I do want I do just want to see it. I don't know if I can say someone else is hotter, but to be like definitively it is Simon. I don't know. Just want just want to see more courses. It's been kind of a uh recurring stretch of courses, not yeah. in a bad way at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, the only other person yeah, for me, I agree. And, I, and I again I might have missed it. I was actually texting Bradley, but is Valerie. Did you say that? No. I, I think uh, Valerie Mandahano, like she she doesn't have enough yet, but if she was to win this next one. Then you have a conversation for FPO. Yeah, I think like Nick said, I, I you kind of have to say Krista Tatar just because yeah, when she I has agree. been here, again, she she has been podiumed every single event this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Paige Pierce has has the wins, just like Kristen does, and has more wins True. than Valerie, but, you know, kind of has events where she just kind of falls out of it and not seen as much. So if you're saying True. absolute hottest player can be tougher true I, fpo is tough right now because it's spreading the love so much with wins but like yeah but who would have thought that if we're talking about hottest player that fpo would have been like oh, we just Page don't know yeah. uh and then fpo is like oh no it's solidly this one guy and mm-hmm. the last couple of years has kind of been the opposite where there's like three or four guys in mpo who could be the best at any moment and it kind of switches off between a certain fpo player that's kind of definitive mm-hmm. All right, um, let's do this. Let's go ahead and get into our next segment, which Ben's going to give us the introduction for, if he doesn't mind. (laughs) Oh, wait. Yep. Do, 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 do. This is the Discura discussion. Nice. All right, Nick, give us the topic tonight. So the topic tonight for our Discura discussion is going to be, and I'm trying to find the best way to phrase this, but... Are the middle of the pack players getting that much better or are the top players playing that much worse this year in the sense of like we're seeing a lot of different winners but we're not seeing like a huge amount and the only reason i'm going to say this because ratings kind of you can tell whether they go up or down you know each month we're seeing the top players drop in their ratings and we're seeing not much movement though like there's still not a lot of 1040 rated guys there's only one 1050 rated guy right now at Eagle might still be, but he's not playing, obviously. Um, Paul dropped down to 1048. He's not having the season that we're used to kind of seeing from Paul. Top 10 finishes, but nothing, you know, is really sparking right now. Simon's playing great, but is this play coming from... And we're seeing other players play great, too. Joel Freeman, Bradley Williams now. Um, Garrett Gerthy is playing great lately. So what is it? this year are players getting that much better or are the top players playing that much work uh worse excuse me and so i had evan hopefully he did or try to get some numbers or our ratings screwed up the further along we go i mean could be that too. i mean that that's a given yes oh, but... all right so then we should throw it <laughs> I'm just on next on. i'm just kidding <laughs> what did you come up with yeah, evan if anything because nick nick's saying maybe you compiled something uh yeah i mean if 
you, you mentioned McBeth uh, specifically. Like his average rating on elite series and majors this season is ten forty on the dot point uh, zero zero. Last year in twenty twenty one, it was ten forty nine. So you, you're okay. seeing a big drop from McBeth as far as average ratings go. You can, you know, argue a lot of other factors of like what courses he's been playing and, and high ratings. Yeah. He didn't play LBC if, this year, but over mm-hmm. over the course of you know now uh, eight events that it's been, I I'm gonna take that number and say, hey, that's a pretty good indicator when you're doing average rating through eight or nine events. Mm-hmm. Um, and a nine point decrease is a lot. The 1040 is the lowest he's had since 2011 when he was 1032. Uh, I don't even think he's been below 1045 in that point. I think his lowest besides that was 1047. So this is, this is a big decrease for Paul specifically. And I think that's more of just a solo issue with Paul and not really necessarily the field. I mean, Ricky's a little mm-hmm. bit down this year. He's at 1049 last year. He's at 1052, but still like three points. That's a lot more negligible than nine. Yeah. So, and the thing about that, when you look at the ratings aspect of it is, Usually tournaments between strokes is anywhere from seven and a half points to I've seen upwards of 11 or 12 points per stroke ratings wise. So let's say me and Evan go out and play a tournament. I shoot a thousand rated. He shoots a 991. It's one stroke worse than what I did. It's nine points. And so that nine points that Paul is down this year um, is, is huge because that's a stroke around and I don't know how many tournaments he's been, you know, really in contention or a couple strokes back, but at the same time, that's three or four strokes, maybe even five strokes, depending on the tournament um, per tournament right now, you know, one stroke per round. And I think that is a lot. Um, it definitely, it doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, I think it is. Interesting. I mean, it, the conversation expands and I know this wasn't the topic, but what's going on with Paul because it's standing out a little bit and I don't mean washed up, but uh, someone asked the question in the chat based off of some of these numbers and things we're looking at and we're saying, well, maybe it's not the field. Maybe it's, maybe it is specifically Paul or maybe it's others, but like someone asked the question, when, when will Paul show up on the winner's podium again? And is it a hot take to say he wouldn't be there the rest of the year? I think that'd be really hot. But weren't we yeah. saying the same thing last year though, too? Like l- last year, he didn't he didn't get a uh, elite or major win until Des Moines, and then he went to Worlds. Um, well, yeah, so he had he, the Worlds was be- uh, before yeah. that, you know. Unfortunately, didn't uh-huh. get the win. Um, <laughs> Podium. Yeah, uh, and then we go weekend after, then he gets the win at Des Moines. And, okay, that's his first mm-hmm. really you know tour win. But even that was like you know that was in place of the European swing that didn't happen, so it was a little bit less of a field. And you can make that argument. I don't. I think it's yeah. still a great win. Uh, but then he comes back and is on fire for the end of the year and USDGC gets, you know, the biggest win of the year mm-hmm. for him. So, yeah. And that was a, yes, a very yeah. big win. Epic. Yeah. Well, I just think like, you know, one of the ways we can kind of look at it is I'm just on his PGA page now, but like DDO, he won it. Des Moines, he won. USDGC, he won. And then for big events, second place at Portland, second place at Worlds, third place at Texas States, Preserve, Green Mountain, uh dgpt championships uh, but that's not standard um and then fifth place at waco fifth place at jonesboro sixth at otb seventh Ida wild ninth ninth eleventh like his worst one was 18th at ledgestone i mean so when it comes to like what year is better or like i mean he's he's playing worse than he was last year and i think considerably in that sense compared to what he was last year i mean 
eighth place at Texas States, ninth place at uh, Champions Cup, 51st at DGPT, um, excuse me, Dynamic Discs Open, 19th at OTB Open, 14th at Beaver State Fling. That's a Silver Series event. Eighth place at Texas State. So, I mean, there's a lot different, like, even though we're only halfway, I don't know, are we more than halfway done through the season right now? Yes. Like, even though we're we're pretty far into the season, it's, he's not really, like, I know stats-wise, he's been kind of picked to win a tournament. Like, I think at Masters Cup, maybe that was the last one that he was picked to win it, but not a lot of people are saying, like, you know, when I listen to podcasts or just casually talking to people just through a disc golf, like, they're you're used to people saying, yeah, Paul's going to win this tournament no matter what. And then lately that kind of like, hasn't been the case of it. And um, so I think that that's just completely different than what we've seen in the past. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, but ultimately kind of like going back into it is, is Gannon Burr getting that much better is, you know, Joel Freeman playing that much better is Simon Lazat playing that much better. Or are we just kind of seeing, you know, Ricky, Paul, and Eagle play at this incredible level to where if the three of them are playing at the best of their game, I realistically, I don't think anyone else in the world touches their, you know, their ceiling of like how well they can actually play. Um, but all three of them, I don't think are playing that incredible right now. And so now we're starting to see these other players make some moves in the sport. And then you're, you're kind of wondering, like, are they playing that much better? And I guess the, the best way to look at it is, I think if you go back to like what did someone average last year ratings wise at this tournament, you know, like whatever. So I think that's just kind of how I was looking at it. And then one of my buddies had suggested just looking at, you know, tournaments from last year, um, like the preserve last year compared to this year, how much did it change? And then we have a completely different winner. Like Nico LaCastro won it last year. What did Nico place this year? Did he even play the event? I don't know. Cause I didn't really hear his name that much. So I- I was thinking about this question a little bit before you even pre- like presented this as the segment topic. And I was thinking not specifically about this, but I was like, how do we describe like the hot player? I was talking about all that. And I started thinking to myself, Matt, there's a group of players who any week could win. And I'm just going to make it for simplicity, 20 players. It, it could actually be larger than that, of course, but those are really mm-hmm. outliers. So let's just even maybe make it smaller, 15 players, 20 players, whatever. They can win any given week. Paul is still in that. Like, it, that's not the conversation. Paul's in there, and so is everybody else, including Eagle, Simon, Ricky. Like, there's a handful of those players, 20 of them. I, again, mm-hmm. don't don't say, Matt, there's actually 18 or there's 25. I'm just giving a, a simple number. Yeah, yeah. Inside of there, there's going to be the players who are playing really well, who you're going, if I'm making sports picks or I'm betting or whatever it is, like, this is the player I'm going to pick. And right now, unless you're trying to make a lot of money, you're not – you're not picking Paul. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you're more likely to pick Simon. And it depends on the course too. I know that. But I'm saying I don't know if other players are playing better to make them look worse is my point. I think it's just there's always that mix and it just depends on it who shows up or not. I don't know if well, anybody's significantly playing worse. I know the ratings yeah. are showing that for Paul, so there's a little bit there. But generally what they're all been- still in that discussion. Evan, I don't know if this is something you can kind of look up quick, but like what has been the largest margin of victory in the MPO field this year for elite series events and above? Um, um, Cause that's what I'm, I'm, I'm curious of even last year of just figuring out, like, I know Ricky's, you know, won tournaments by what seems like four or five, six or more. Paul has won tournaments by four or five, six or more like Eagle at Vegas 
last year, you know, had a commanding lead. Um, you need to give Stat Man a week year, heads up so they can get that compiled. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but like yeah. this year, you know, we've got, you know, Drew Gibson and Gannonburg going into a playoff at the first event of the year, or first big event of the year. And so I just feel like, you know, Bradley Williams won this last event only by two strokes. And so you, you kind of wonder, like, I, for me personally, I'll, I'll kind of give my opinion on all of this, is that I think the level of play has gotten a little bit better. I don't think it's significant, but I think it's also, you know, our top players aren't having their best season right now. And so everything's just leveled out to where there's no personal favorite, I think, to win every single event this year like we have seen in the years past, which is really fun. It makes this golf that much more fun in the sense of, like, watching it, you know. I would not have picked Bradley Williams to win the preserve championships. You know, I wouldn't have picked Ricky to win it. And look at what both of them did. Garrett Gersey. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. he was in the, he was in the elite at Mm -hmm. uh, Beavers or Beaver state was the silver series. Sorry. Portland Mm -hmm. open. And like, I was just thinking through what you said, you said, there's no like favorite to win. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. If you right now ask me who's going to win like the next elite event, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a name that pops right into my head. And I started thinking through, yeah. like, who are all these players that are playing really well? And in the chat, who is it? Like, I mean, I They're, feel like yeah. Ricky's probably good, but he's been struggling a little bit with his health. I mean, health mm-hmm. leg and all that. And, like, Eagle, same thing. Like, there's nobody that's just a simple, easy, like, yes, you are the one. So, Yeah, I think that's a really tough part in all this is, like, who, who is going to win Idlewild? You know? I think Idlewild just historically has a lot of unique winners. I don't, again, don't have yeah. the exact data in yeah. front of me. I think it's been unique every single year. It's been a pro tour event. Um, maybe yeah, I've uh, only won once, and so I think it has uh-huh. been unique every single year on the MPO side. That is, mm-hmm. um, and so I think like you're kind of getting at the 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 field. Who could win is so big that you're just seeing a lot of different names. I mean, I think something that's interesting is we we've been talking about all these kind of newer winners uh being you know drew gibson simon bradley williams but they've all won elites and series in the uh, the past yeah they're all i mean they might only won one in the case of drew gibson and and bradley williams and this was their second Mm -hmm. but they still have one in the past and they've proven they can do it so it's not like and it's not like a out of this world pick which kind of might reinforce the oh the top top guys are playing better and now these guys are good enough to get it again uh, I'm not mm-hmm. going to get into that specifically too much, but I do think as the field grows, you're going to see people kind of pop off to that elite level. I mean, you're seeing it with Gannon Burr. I think Aaron Gossage is kind of getting to that. We saw it with Luke Humphreys to start the year. I mean, those guys mm-hmm. are all up double digits in their average round rating. I mean, then you can go uh, from this year compared to last year. And then Joel mm-hmm. Freeman, we you know, he just won match play, but he's still itching to get that kind of standard uh, elite win. Uh, and mm-hmm. he's kind of proving he's right up there too. Simon's back to his form. Um, but like Calvin Heiberg, I think is playing just as he has the past couple of years, which might go to yeah. Matt's point that, yeah, he's just always going to be in contention and that's his game. And Jonesboro, mm-hmm. he just, I mean, I'd argue he played well enough to win that for sure, but mm-hmm. you could argue like, yeah, maybe he won that because Paul wasn't absolutely on his game and Calvin just played good enough to kind of get up there. I'm not making that mm-hmm. point, but just saying that I that you could go somewhere with that point. The chat's coming yeah. in strong here. First of all, first time I've ever seen the chat say they're surprised at Calvin's performance. I've been saying that for a long time. I'm surprised. How is he not winning more than he is? Because he's so good, just doesn't have the wins as much as he as he could. Uh, but yeah. then the other was this is this is a good one. 
Chris Dickerson. Uh, shout out to Jason Boxler in the chat. I think because he hasn't played the West Coast, like we kind of forgot a little bit. But that's who I'm picking. Like that is the favorite to win until he proves otherwise when and he's at an event. Idlewild's when he's coming back, right? I think so. Yeah. So like that's maybe actually this is yeah. It. I guess I will say I kind of forgot about Me Dickerson too. only in the sense of <laughs> we haven't talked about him in a while for that matter. Exactly. But like Dickerson. Ooh, okay. That actually brings up who is the hottest player on tour this year. I would argue Chris Dickerson. If you don't count time off, like I think that. If you don't count time, yeah, but I mean, between between Simon in the beginning of the year taking time off versus Dickerson taking time off now, like I I think they're probably pretty even in the amount of tournaments they've played this year on the elite level. So you know what, Dickerson Dickerson hasn't won out a while. Then if he's going to continue the trend of unique winners. Uh, if there's a guy to win it, I'd, I'd say it's him. Yeah, I'd actually, if if I'm going to put a pick on it right now, which we can do at the end of the show, or do we have one more week before Idlewild? Yeah, I think we, we have do, U.S. Right? Women's this week, so we should okay. do a pick on that. Okay, I know cool. we're in the Discord So we'll do a pick on that one, and then, uh, but yeah, anyways, but Chris Dickerson, that's my pick. And just a fun little <laughs> note to uh, maybe round this out, uh, Chris Dickerson, his average around rating from this year compared to last is slightly down, uh, about one and a half points uh, lower than last year bradley williams is also like about a half a point and to i don't think i think that's incredibly negligible if it's like under three ratings points like i don't care (laughs) the fact that paul McBeth dropped down to 1049 or 1048 don't care uh like we we put a lot of emphasis on hitting kind of that you know milestone number of being 1050 and the 1050 boys like Mm it it 1.2 points means nothing to me he's still rating wise at that elite level uh, what yeah. do you think he's going to do at the very next event is a different question. Is perfection the standard just about for winning an event now? Like, I heard them talking about it. Like, is that what we're chasing now? Is like, hey, if you want to win, you have to literally try to go out and birdie every hole, and you have to do just about all of that. Like, is that where we're at with the sport at this point? And we got, by the way, we have Bradley Williams in the green room. Looks like he's yeah. just about ready to go. So let's wrap this one up. But what I, do you think? I feel like, I mean, compared to golf, we've always been a birdie or die sport. And the obviously the most birdies you get is going to help out and staying pretty much bogey free. Yeah. But um, yeah, we we've consistently been a, a birdie or die, um, kind of sport. Yeah. And I would say like one of the courses that really challenges that that I've seen in years past is something like Northwoods Gold or Northwoods Black. Of you don't see an incredible amount of birdies out there, but it plays that hard. Um. Other than that, I feel like for the most part, especially with courses like, you know, and I'm just saying preserve because it's recency bias, but like a course like preserve where they have some wooded holes, but they have some pretty open bomber holes that, you know, a majority of these guys should be birdying, you know, all of them. I mean, what was 12 down or 13 down was like the hot round of the tournament. I mean, you're never going to see that in the sport of golf is <laughs> someone shooting 12 down, We're 13 down at a PGA tour event. Today. I don't think, yeah. no, 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 no. But I'm just saying like, you yeah, know, the I question kind of was like, do you have to yeah. be perfect? And I yeah. think like, in a sense, yes. But Crazy. at the same time, disc golf has always been like that. It, yeah, exactly. I hear both sides of what you're saying. Yeah. It's always been that way. It's just so crazy that yep. they have to go out there with that mindset. Full tilt. All right, uh, we have Bradley Williams in the green room here. It looks like we're probably ready to go in. So let's go ahead and welcome to the show the recent uh, victor of the MPO division, Bradley Williams, the Preserve Championship. Welcome to the show, Bradley. How are you doing? Oh, hey guys, how's it going? Can you hear me? <laughs> so we can hear you. We can hear you, and we're gonna do it that way. And 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 our intern producer is gonna fix this one up for us. So 
while we do that, you could probably, I apologize for this. Uh, we're going to have to pay Ben a little bit more to get this to work. Hold on a second. Boop. All right. We should be good as long as the name's good. Okay. Here yeah. we go. Perfect. <laughs> apologize for that. How are you doing? We can hear you. How are you doing? Great. How are you guys? Good. good. Hey, thanks. Good, good. Thanks for making the time. I know Monday nights, we picked this night to do the shows, and it's the, one of the most difficult things, but we had to beat out our friends at Smashbox and get in the Monday night interview. <laughs> Just kidding. But thank you so much for coming on, uh, taking time out of your busy day. Appreciate it. So congratulations on the win. With the Disc Golf Pro Tour competition, quality and the quantity, we were just talking about this, of incredible disc golfers we see week in and week out. What does a win like this mean to you at this point in your career? I don't know what it means. I mean, I'm. It means a lot. I mean, uh, the experience itself um, was worth a ticket to the tournament. It was worth the drive across the country to play. Just playing in front of that many people with such a well, like a getting better. Like the the disc golf pro tour is getting better and better at managing crowds and uh, facilitating events and having. Uh, resources to spend on, um, you know, just the whole works like food, uh, hospitality, parking, like it just feels like a real sporting event. Like it doesn't feel like the old disc golf in the park anymore. It feels like a real organized place and like just the chance to go and compete against so many talented players, like unbelievably the, t the talent pool is out of this world. Like I, it's almost too talented at this point because i don't think the disc golf pro tour and the people running the tournaments are like are paying enough mm -hmm. for the talent like i don't think people are paying nearly enough money for how good the players are performing it's just it blows my mind to be on the card and just look around and watch them throwing shots and just being like this is insane mm -hmm. so but yeah um just to get back to what you're saying about the the tournament and the experience like yeah i feel super stoked and it was sort of like a magical uh, weekend for me. Very cool. So it's been six years since your yep. first DGPT win at the inaugural Vibram Open when the DGPT first started. Now coming back all the way to this one. Um, sorry. How does a win like this kind of affect your tour going forward? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I think it uh, probably my market value is probably a little stronger. Like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, maybe the people that kind of like, like, we're like, Oh yeah, this guy, this guy was pretty good, I think. But then it's like, Oh yeah, he's good. He just mm -hmm. led a tournament wire to wire. I feel like that's going to add value to like my touring life and stuff like that. But just as a player, I'm just more stoked at the experience to go out and play, like um, play at the level that I can play at as long as like you know i'm in the right mental space and i'm like i believe that i can do it and then in front of that many people so it was just a great experience again that's just the biggest takeaway for me it was like how thrilled i was to be out there okay excellent so i've dug through some archives i found some other interviews i found some things you said <laughs> i'm like i gotta know more and i've been watching your game for a long time and I, you mentioned in a previous interview being able to use some mental meditation practice to get into a flow state especially during the 2016 victory at Vibram Open that we just talked about. Uh, but I found something interesting here. In this recent Preserve event, you said you mentioned this feeling of being tugged through the round. And this is a quote of you. You're sitting here, but I'll read it back to you. I felt like I was being tugged forward through the round by myself or by something outside of myself. 
I really felt like I was being pulled through the course and I was like shocked and surprised and I was just riding it. Mental state with flow, is that is that what you were experiencing or was it something different? It sounds a lot like the flow state that you read about. Like when you're looking up like how to get that extra one or 2% or how to be a better athlete, like you you look up books or you look up seminars or whatever and, you, and there's always like a collection of, um, there's always like a journalist who's interviewed a ton of champions and they always ask them a series of questions and then they boil it down to like these thought processes or these, these ways these athletes, like they work when they're playing their best. So it does sound like a flow state, but I'm not sure, I'm not really sure how I entered it. I definitely, like in 2016, I was like trying to manifest it. Like I was trying to meditate. I was like trying to tap into that. And I definitely felt like I was onto something uh, throughout that season. Um, but this tournament, I don't know how it happened, really. Um, I, I know that I only had a couple of things to think about um, after the, my first shot at a hole one on the first round. And then I sort of went into it. So it definitely was the flow state, but it just was really bizarre how it took over my uh, my whole tournament. Okay, gotcha. Um, going from your first big win to this win now, there's been a massive boom just in disc golf in general. I mean, we're talking a six-year span. The We kind of call it the pandemic boom, blew up a lot of things. Money in 2016, you won $2,500 for winning the Vibram Open. You just won $8,000 at the Preserve Championships. Money aside, we you just talked about the experience you had at this event, but like, which kind of win means more to you in that regards? Um, I know that the Vibram win meant a lot because I had like been stair stepping, like my first time playing Vibram Open. You know, I finished a certain place, and every year after that, I sort of got a little bit better, a little bit better. And so when I was going into that event in 2016. I already had the idea in my mind that like, well, I'm sort of trending up towards the very top. Like this would be really cool if I could pull it off. And then I pulled it off. So it was sort of something that I manifested and saw myself doing mm -hmm. where this tournament was just a complete surprise. Like it was just, I still don't even understand what happened. Obviously I'm really stoked and it, it means a lot, but I don't think I fully understand like what it means or what it's going to mean or what it means, how I can capitalize on uh, the situation. Okay. And that's, that's interesting. You kind of gave me insight into this next question is you said it was a surprise. So what have your expectations been like uh, on the disc golf pro tour or just the tour in general after such a long dry spell? Like what did your expectations turn into uh, for every event you played? Um, so last year, like last year was sort of like my first full year touring. Um, where I, like, I kind of recommitted as like a Texas player who kind of plays regionally more over the past like four or five years. Um, last year was like my first year touring and last year was really rough. Like I just, I remember thinking like, oh, I can just hop back in and play. And then I was like shocked by how good everyone was and like how much harder it was to even get in the top 20. And then it was like, a there was like a really depressing part of the year. And then I sort of had to like dig myself out mentally. And I remember finishing the year like pretty well, like I was like starting to get adjusted to being on the road every week. And then over the off season, I felt really optimistic. Like I was training, I like was super excited. Um, I was like working on distance and a bunch of shots. And then I got injured. I had like a sidearm injury that everyone seems to be getting right now. I got my first elbow injury right like in the middle of the off season. 
And then this whole, this whole year, this far has been like dealing with that. Like I've been injured for the first part of the year. I really couldn't use flicks that much. And like, if I was using it, it was like really painful. And it, like my elbow still isn't healed. Um, it's just better than it was. So like this year has been really rough because I felt like I haven't been the full, like the full version of myself. And I was really excited about this season. Like I was like really optimistic, but now it's been just sort of like struggling. Um, so as far as expectations go, they sort of went out the window the moment I got hurt. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, this is going to suck because it just feels like the sidearm is so important with the course design. I just feel like the course designers aren't very good. And they just keep leaving these big, powerful sidearms as options. Mm -hmm. And so, and because the scoring is so, I just feel like you're, you're forced to use it because course designers don't know how to make a turnover shot that you can't throw a sidearm on. It's like, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a bad situation. So I think a lot of players are getting hurt and it's kind of unfortunate. Uh, it's definitely something we've seen and i, I kind of it's funny enough we were talking about course designing last week and just how there are pro players who are designing courses there are people like a john hauck who they do that as a living um and we haven't kind of found that perfect course yet and not to you know knock any course in specific but like what did you think about the preserve championships a lot of players are saying it's very fun um but like you personally what did you like about it or dislike about it Okay, so with this course like being designed by like a very good pro, um, somebody who's been in the game a long time, my favorite thing about Kale's version of this course was it 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 was like the perfect balance on the par fours and par threes, where I felt like if you had a massive cannon, you got to, you you got to use it and you got to bite off more and you got to give yourself better looks. But it also didn't just flat out screw the pros who could throw like 420 mm -hmm. pretty consistently. Yeah, like I might have to throw another 420 foot shot, but I wasn't just screwed. But then when you go out on the other tour courses, it's if you don't throw very, very far, like over 500 or just blistering power hyzer shots, you are just left out to par. And so I, what I like about Kale's course is that it included everyone. Like I could mm -hmm. shine but I had to throw like a little bit further and the big arms could shine and get easier up shots. So that's, that's what I think. I think it just gave both types of pro a chance to show their game. Mm -hmm. Wow. Do you, do you, and this is kind of like a follow-up question. It's funny. We were literally just kind of talking about all these things, but um, in the sport of golf, we don't see it as a birdie or die sport, but in disc golf, a lot of tournaments, whether it's a local tournament or even elite series events, like let's say Bruce Ridge at GMC, is a very birdie or die type of course. Do you like that aspect of it if it's designed well, or would you rather, you know, courses like you just play the preserve to where you can throw it 420, 420 feet, 420 feet, but you have to make a good putt, or one of those needs to be, you know, just an incredible shot. Kind of like if you were to design a course that you think a majority of people would like in a sense, like how would you want to design it? I would want like I still want to find a way uh, to make it feel like kind of like work. I mean, I, I know birdie or die feels like work, but I want it. I would want to find a way to get the angles and distance just right where it felt like placement and angle, like the lines you were landing on, like the trajectories you would have to take based on exactly where you landed were a little bit more valuable and important mm -hmm. um, without adding like a ton of rope and OB. Mm -hmm. um so it felt more like strategy and work 
but I do like Kel's course in the sense that like he didn't string it up everywhere. He let people bite off. Like I don't know. Like I do like this course, but I would try. I would try to blend it to be like Kel's course with a little bit more work involved, just mm -hmm. a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but not too much. I don't think. Do you do you have any courses in mind where if you were to say this is probably my favorite course to play on the road? Do you have one that kind of just jumps at you? Not yet. Like <laughs> not yet. And I remember actually uh you were talking with Paul about it because you came down to Virginia and played in New London and you I remember talking with him just saying how you're, you know, decently critical on any course that you play. I mean, so is that kind of the reason why that you haven't found a course that just jumps out? Is that maybe 60% of it is good, but 40% is bad? Or is it kind of like 16 holes are great here, but two holes really suck, which kind of kills the vibe of it. Like, do you have a, you know, way of judging it in a sense? Yeah, like I'm always looking for like, okay, these holes are going to cause major tournament backups. So like that's a real, mm -hmm. that's a real, that's kind of sad. It's like, oh man, this course is pretty good. But I know if we played it in an event, the gallery would push back and this hole would back up. And it, like, it's like, oh, this wouldn't be a great, place to facilitate a major tournament i feel like i'm a little bit more critical like how can we bring spectators okay. like all the stuff and stuff so like, i don't know yeah gotcha yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a i think that's a great way to look at it i mean that's i mean look at maple hill it's one of the most incredible courses in the world but holes you know three four five six seven it's very hard to have a lot of spectators on those holes because of where they play into it but of course like the preserve majority of your holes seem to be pretty open a usdgc type course to where realistically everything's wide open so you got people everywhere uh i think that's a great way of looking at it just in the sense of like what could make it you know go from a silver series to an elite series event yeah i'm i'm always thinking that like having um like auxiliary trails for like um gators and and like little mm -hmm. work machines can get back and forth in case you need to cart materials in and out or cart people in and out in a hurry like i'm always looking for like a little bit of both um, and a lot of courses just have, um, they follow the little deer trail through the woods and it's mm -hmm. just not enough for today's level. So Maple mm -hmm. Hill is sort of like a dying mm -hmm. gym. It's like yeah. it, it, Maple Hill 100% just got lucky that they even got a course out of that property because they're using every square inch of that yeah. land they could use. And it just so happened to work. It's complete luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had, um, who was it? Chuck Kennedy, uh, PDGA rating system, uh, inventor if you will and he said similarly he goes a monkey well he said something like a monkey could have designed a course on that property and it would have worked as in like the property itself it's lucky it's everything is there that you needed to make a yeah. course and it just works so yeah yeah um so i found this interesting again a few years ago you had said something along the lines of you that you don't feel like you have good coordination with your hands and feet and then quote throwing comes hard to me uh can you mm -hmm. elaborate on that is that changed for today or where are you at with that um, yeah, I mean, like coordination is still like a struggle. Like I always felt like I was clumsy and not that coordinated. Um, but this weekend I, like I had like a, like I just specifically targeted footwork right before the tournament. And I think when you have something new that you're working on, that's like, that's not, that seems to be working. It's really easy just to focus on the one thing. And sometimes it really helps. Like it's simplified the whole weekend. I just had this one thing that I wanted to think about. So this weekend was just like, um, probably just good timing. Good, good timing. Um, someone yeah. else also said you intentionally, or I don't know if you intentionally do, you're great at throwing with your offhand. I think I've seen it in social media. Um, is that something right. you intentionally work on as part of your coordination efforts? 
Uh, it's mostly like to my back and shoulders, like to kind of like open it up and like get some of that like twisting going the other way. Huh. Um, I was having like a lot of stress, like in my back and my shoulders. And like, I started throwing lefty a lot more and it's like, it's already kind of helping resolve some of that discomfort. So, and then it's also sort of fun because, uh, like if I just feel like I don't want to play disc golf on a Monday or Tuesday with my right hand, well, I can still play with my left hand and still mm. enjoy it, but it's not like, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like you're going back to fun. Gotcha. I love that. We're going to do a Nick and Matt show league called left hander or alternate hand league. He'll be awesome. Yeah. That'd be miserable. Let's practice a little bit. Let's plan this for like 2024. (laughs) Yeah. So you brought up, I think something really awesome. And someone had just asked me this, you know, the other day to where you just talked about how one of your focuses was this past week was on your footwork. Um, Is that something you actively do week in and week out is try to find something that you feel like you should fine tune. And the question this kid asked me, which is kind of what I'll ask you is, how much time do you feel like you have to not just practice the course, but to kind of practice the basics of your footwork, of your stretching, your working out, anything like like how much time do you practice not on a disc golf course, like practicing for the tournament? That takes like that takes like uh, you know when you get back, if you're sore, your hamstrings are tight. You, you just played a tournament the week before and then you drive to the new place and you're trying to get the course in before the whole crowds get there. Mm-hmm. That whole field work session always is like the evening. Like you got like an hour and a half before it gets dark and like you could go get dinner or you could do some chores or stuff, but it's like, or you could drive to a field, you know, near where you're at and go out there and work on some stuff. And it's like hard to do it, but like, mm-hmm. that's the only time I find time to do it. It's like at the very end of a day, or I have to like pull myself out to go like, okay, well, we wanted to work on something new, but usually I just get swept up on trying to learn the course and like learn mm-hmm. the discs and try to figure out the shots. So it's tough to actually find the time or I, there's always time. Mm-hmm. It's tough to make yourself go and do it. Yeah. I would say. Oh, I totally get it. Listen up everybody. That's so true. Um, mm-hmm. Taking a little bit of a, a backward look again, I've been watching the sport for a while, and I think I even messaged you this earlier. Like I was there when you were in the playoff against Johansson, and I was like, the galleries weren't controlled back then. <laughs> I think I was like ten feet away. And first of all, how much did you have to pay the chipmunk to get under his disc like that? <laughs> just like, just like a not enough not enough man i'm in debt to that chipmunk i think <laughs> uh, for those who don't know go check it out yeah. chipmunk gate at vibram open 2016 really incredible thing that wasn't known until after and it's just really an interesting thing but uh so i'm going back a ways i've been watching it and i remember coming into that thinking oh this is the guy that people kind of say is standoffish a little bit they're not sure about him but like seems like he's in control of himself all this stuff and i remember just kind of perceiving that and and i found out later you know you have the nickname the cactus or the texas cactus and and i saw in another interview you mentioned that maybe that reputation had closed some doors for you or made fans you know maybe not want to be your fan anymore but in the current state of disc golf with this explosion that's happened and then you win like this people millions of disc golfers who aren't aware of you uh are you seeing the opportunity here for your fan base to increase number one and then how have you changed as a player and through all these years yeah so it's like uh, a lot of people are getting like a fresh look and it's just how i carry myself on the course now and like how I operate and like how I manage my social media. So like everything they're seeing now is from a fresh slate, um, which is cool. They sort of get to make uh, up 
their minds for themselves. Um, I think how it used to be, it used to be more, I mean, I, I'm sure it still is with like Reddit and stuff and Twitter, but like it used to be like no one knew who you were, but like one big guy did. And then so when you showed up on the roster to Illinois to play an A tier, they're mm -hmm. like, all right, one dude knew who you were and whether he had a good first impression of you or not based is what he's gonna, or she is gonna tell the community. And then they, once you have like a filter to see someone through, it's like, it's hard, or you might just, you know, it's a little bit more biased, I think. Um, yeah. How I've changed, um, I think I put a little bit more investment and effort into like my appearance. Like I try to wear, like I used to not really care too much, but like I would just like whatever I had, I would wear to the tournaments. I think I like try to look a little bit more professional. I try to make sure my haircut, <laughs> like I have a haircut that's, you know, like I'm trying to like look the part more. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as like my attitude and like just general demeanor, uh, one of the interesting things is um, I'm wearing glasses now and I've been wearing them for the past like two years. Um, I never wore glasses. I never really knew like what my eyesight was, what it, what was going on with that. But I do remember I always like had headaches and was like really stressed out and like my mm. face always hurt, like in the middle of my face. Um, and then I realized once I put on glasses for the first time and for like a month or two, then my face was just more relaxed. And then I started to become more relaxed. Um, and I, this isn't like an excuse um, because it's not an excuse at all. But I just, that helped a lot as far as like my attitude. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. I just was in a better place to manage myself um, because my, you know, I, I, I don't have to focus so hard to like see. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, and that that's absolutely yeah. makes sense. I mean, I'm discovering things about myself every day from things that were years ago that I'm like, wow, that's physiologically what's affecting me. One follow up, Nick. I know you got a good one, but this one, I was really intrigued and interested to know in a similar vein to what we're talking about. Uh, I'm trying to remember which year it was. It was 2016, I guess. It's the first year of the the Disc Golf Pro Tour. The finale. There was something going on with PDGA and suspensions or things in regarding you. Uh, and I remember there being discussions like, well, the pro tour then is going to, there was at least rumblings of this. They're going to um, unsanction from PDGA if they're, if the PDGA holds on with their discipline. Right. And I know they're being toxic. And then Macbeth came out and kind of said something in social media, like, like alluding to the fact like, Hey, I'm probably pulling out of this event too. If that doesn't change, what was that like being like the center point of like, I don't know what you want to call it, but that moment, like you're in it and people are arguing over it in a public platform. Yeah, that was kind of bizarre. Um, I wish I wasn't like the centerpiece and like that conversation was still happening mm -hmm. because I think it was important. Yeah. Um, just, I cause it, it just feels like uh, as members of like a club, like a disc golf club, like PDJ, it's like you don't really know like how everything was working or uh, there's just like, I don't know how this stuff gets done. Does someone decide? Do two people decide? Yeah. Like, is there really a process? Like, I, no one knows. And like, I think during that situation, like no one really knew how this stuff was happening, yeah. but then it could ultimately, it's like, hey, you can't go to recess for like the rest of your like you know, the K through 12, no more recess for you. And like, why? Like none of the parents yeah. know, the kid doesn't know. That's kind of what it felt like. It's like, oh, you can't, you know, so that was a weird experience for sure. So weird's how you describe it. Do you remember? Cause I don't, what was the conclusion there? The, the finale happened. Um, did discipline or anything of that nature get changed or what happened there? Um, so they like, I tried to appeal it because like there just wasn't like a process mm -hmm. that they mm -hmm. followed. And the one they claimed 
was their process. They definitely didn't have like, they didn't have any of the stuff. They were sort of like, they didn't have any of the stuff they said they were supposed to have to do it. They didn't do any of the procedures that they were supposed mm-hmm. to do. It was mostly just a bunch of conversation, but they shortened the, their okay. original like verdict by a bit. So cool. And, and, gotcha. and, and gotcha. I'll give my conclusion on my perception is everything you said, I actually see in you, you're saying you've changed all this stuff. Like my mindset of you is professional in control, clean form, a great representative of the sport. Like that's everything I think about you. And I think all the fans that are coming in today see that same thing. And it's truly an awesome thing to see you win. Uh, both. Well, I saw one live on disc golf network, which is cool and one live in person. So it's cool to see both of those. I guess it kind of, you know, one of my questions, just jumping off of that kind of topic of things was, um, you had said you struggled a little bit, just kind of mentally throughout the years and touring. And so realistically though, when you start out the season and I guess where you're at now, like what, what are your goals when you say, okay, in 2022, I'm going to go out and play desk call professionally full time. I'm going to do the tour. You know, you got your tour card and everything you're traveling around to every tournament. Like what realistically, what were your goals at the beginning of the season and then after this big win what are your goals now so last year my five-year plan was to try to commit full-time for five seasons on the pro mm-hmm. tour like play all the elite series events um take like the the approach the, what, what separates the old version of myself and like the current is like the way that i see myself in the game and like why i'm doing it so before there was just like, I just had this different story that I was telling. And now the story is different for myself. Like I want to be more professional. I want to carry myself like a professional. Um, so the goals were for the next five seasons to learn how to be a professional, learn how to be, to do the tour, learn how to be, to make the tour more efficient, um, learn how to blend it with like a social, like healthy lifestyle. So I'm not just grinding, grinding and like sleeping in my van, you know, on the, you know, whatever, not no knock against people who do that. I'm just, mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to make it a blend where it's like a life and a job sort of thing. Um, make friends, make connections, um, just try to make it a healthy, more balanced life. So I wanted to make give myself five years to learn how to do that, become more efficient, and then um, build a, a brand. Like I eventually want to have a brand so mm-hmm. people like have, um, um, they just know who my what my brand is and what it stands for. And then that way I can branch off like in my 40s because I'll be in five years, I'll be 40. Um, cause I want to do like coaching. I want to do course design. I want to run my own tournaments. Like mm-hmm. I want to pick on like the elderly role. It's like, Hey, I learned a lot about disc golf. I, I worked on the form. Like I've proven that I know how to throw the discs. I've proven that I know the mental side of pro disc golf. Like it's proven. I have a full resume of tournaments where I've struggled or where I've succeeded, where I've battled mm-hmm. through blah, blah, blah. So like, it's just proven that I know the sport and then try to take all that wisdom and kind of like bring it down to like the simplest forms, like teach the basics, d- design courses, run tournaments and try to be involved in like more of a business way. Okay. So that's sort of like what these five years mean to me. Obviously like winning tournaments is super cool. Like I would love to be, to be that person, like that version of myself where I believe in myself and I execute my game plan. Like that feels great. And I, w- I would love to do that, but my real goals are to try to be, um, more of like a professional business uh, oriented mindset and try to get into this golf in that sense. And I'm just using competitive disc golf as like a way to make that happen. 
Very cool. I will say you mentioned, you know, have wanting to have a brand and all that. And I'm not a brand expert, but I think you have a brand. And in fact, when you started going down, like what you'd like to do, I'm like, dude, that's the Bradley brand. <laughs> like it's, or whatever you want to call it. It's like Bradley Williams school of disc golf. Like I would sign up for that. Cause in my mind, I'm like, that is like quality. And like, that's how I see it. So, I mean, you have a brand. It's just a matter of, yeah. How are you going to accomplish that? Sounds awesome that you're looking forward to doing that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm excited to see the opportunity that's, are you playing Idlewild? Yep. Okay. So are you going to pull a Simon Lazat and go back to back? Come on, Bradley. This is a course you could do it on, right? <laughs> I think I, Idlewild has a lot of trees. Um, <laughs> and that's probably why people don't win that one back to back. It takes, <laughs> takes a lot to get through that, but, um, Come it on. could happen. It, you maybe you'll be just oh, as surprised as the preserve. Yeah. You'll be like, I was surprised. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Would, yeah. Yeah. And you winning, and you don't need our like us analyzing it, but your winning makes you have to be in that conversation again. Uh, and maybe some people, you were always in that conversation. But if, if someone, and here I am, I'm putting my foot in my mouth. If someone said, Matt, pick the top 20 who might win this event, I don't know if I would have picked you there for preserve. But it's not that I don't think you have the skills to do it. We had this whole conversation before we came on the show. But you doing this, and this is all I'm trying to say, and it's weird doing it with a guest in the room. <laughs> you doing this mm -hmm. puts you back in this conversation of, okay, we might have forgotten or we might have not thought, but here he is. So I'm excited for you a lot. Um, and I'm assuming with a win like this, is that almost secure for you? Like you're in the playoffs for sure now with this new format? Yeah, I locked up a invite to the USDGC, nice. which is like from I'm shooting for that event. I get to compete there. Oh, yeah. um, I think my like rankings probably shifted because I got a bunch of points for a win. So yeah, like I'm I'm like getting myself in the position to have the end game uh, like tournaments, which is really mm -hmm. cool. So I'm like I'm really stoked that like this weekend led to some of that. Um, mm -hmm. That's it's really cool. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to to being at the events and, and going from there. And you won at Maple oh, yeah. Hill in 2016. We've said that so many times. Is it a course that you actually play well, or was that that flow you were talking about where it just all came together? Or do you see like, Hey, I think I have an advantage at Maple Hill. Well, it's all about like storytelling. Like it's a, it's a, like, I feel like it's a combination of so many things. Like first you have to like believe in the story. Like at Maple Hill, I believed that I was getting okay. better because I had the data that shows that I'm placing better. So like I believe this story that I'm a better, I'm getting better. And I, and then there was a few, I was like really locked in uh, the week. Like I was locked in that season on like throwing these little turnover shots. And so to get out of the gate at Maple Hill, you got to throw a little turnover on one, you throw a little turnover on two, you throw a little turnover on three. <laughs> and they're all like in that 360 to 400 foot range. So you have to have a little bit of pop, but you have to have control. And I just, I was throwing that shot really well, mm -hmm. like leading up to that event. And then I was actively trying to get into a flow state so I could like make putts and like, you know, and then just be calm and not have my heart rate go up. So it was, mm -hmm. it was a combination of all these things. It was like, I believe that I could do it. I was throwing the disc well, and I was trying to get into the flow state and then boom, I end up in this, in this situation. So it's like, I don't nice. know. Well, the final, yeah. the final round of the playoffs is there and I'm just excited to see the best players making it to that event. That's an interesting format. What do you got, Nick? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, just okay. bouncing off all of that. 
you said it perfectly I'm, I'm just excited for the rest of the season to go on you're you're playing every single event i mean this is what you were doing you said earlier but you are playing pretty much every are you doing any overseas travels you know will we see you at europe or mm, you won't see me at europe because i just i keep not getting i don't renew my passport every year i don't renew <laughs> okay. it and then like i go playing all the tournaments and then it's like a waiting thing um and then also like going to Europe is just expensive. Yeah. Like I've always wanted oh God, to, I've yeah. always wanted to play the European Open, but it's just you spend a lot of money. So it's like <laughs> uh, so it's easy to procrastinate when it's like, oh, I'm gonna have to foot this bill and yeah. I'll have my passport, uh, blah Wait, blah blah. You're not making million dollars a year like like yeah. other guys? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm actually I'm like barely breaking even every tournament. Okay. Brad, so it's I, like, a, it's like I, yeah, I don't Brad, want to play the Europe one. I just want to say yeah. one thing. Okay. I helped you. <laughs> oh, this is at one point in time. At one point in time. This is so our there you go. intern Ben, so if you, you've never met him. You you got me like 27 miles of fuel. <laughs> Let's go. Nice. I am nice. so Let's honored. Go. Let's go. I have to go play a course like this afternoon or something, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You figured it out by the miles. I don't know if you did that according to di- today's calculations or not. But... All right. I can I can go to like the quick stop yeah. and get like a red bull. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. There you go. So that's I'm intern happy. Ben. I'm glad intern yeah. Ben came on here because when we welcome you to the show, I jokingly, as our friendship allows, I jokingly blamed that on him. Uh, it might be both of our faults. I don't know. But you weren't on camera initially, and I have to apologize publicly. I didn't mean anything by it, Ben. It was a joke. I hope you took it that way. Yeah, I think everyone in, in okay. the world took it okay, good. that way. Sometimes I'm just like, intern Ben, we need to pay him more. It's not doing enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, we thank you very much for coming on. Is there anything we missed that would help you out? You'd let your fans know. What's anything you want to tell your fans? I'm seeing in the chat right now, people are saying I'm a fan. Some are saying again, some are saying Bradley's grown up, all these cool things in here. And I know their opinions aren't everything, but you have fans that are coming to you and seeing that you're winning. Anything you want to say before we let you go? Yes, this is, and this is uh, what I want to say to you guys listening right now. I am in a competition with my girlfriend on Instagram. We're having like a followers race and I am losing. So you could either A, follow me and her. You could follow me. You could track the competition and give me a boost. Like just follow me. If you like the way I play and you like the content that I produce, just click follow. I'm trying to catch up. And uh, that would go a long way uh, for a lot of reasons. Wonderful. And so you're... this is it, at Bradley Disc Golf, yep. right? It's yep. on the screen. Yep. If you're looking okay. on screen, you cool. can see it there under his name, at Bradley Disc Golf. And I think this would be so cool. Go over uh, chat right now, right when the show wraps up, because we're just about done. And anyone listening post, go do this. This will be really fun. It'll give him a lot of fun, and it will make the Nick and Matt show proud. We've done this before for a fundraiser for a charity and the chat came in strong. So let's see what they can do tonight to help you win. Again, you can so, go like his girlfriend's Instagram too or whatever, but but do it for Bradley, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it again, taking your time. Mm-hmm. I know it's busy, but uh, we, we'll be following you out there. You're in the conversation. We're proud to have you on the show. Uh, have a great yeah, my pleasure. You have a great evening, Bradley. Oh, yeah. Congratulations yeah. and good luck. All right. Thank you. Bye. Peace. Okay, so that's pretty cool. Uh, when I say pretty cool, I mean that Ben bought 27 and a half ga- or miles of uh, Bradley's yeah. gas. That's pretty I say 27 and a half gallons. That would, no, you know, miles, yeah. sign me up for that. Right. <laughs> so 
Anything, anything to help. Yeah, that was uh, someone you wanted to support. What did you think of that interview? I mean, you sat there quietly. Okay, so much. I was thinking this the whole time. That was the most relatable interview. I feel like he wasn't the "you can do this in life" and "you can <laughs> go for your dreams." He 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 talked about everything that everyone relates to. It's it's not about the time. It's about sometimes you don't feel like doing it. Like you were saying, field work. Sometimes you, just, it's not the time; it's actually going there, which which is so relatable. And he was like dead serious about that, like how like sometimes maybe he doesn't have too much fun in disc golf, and sometimes I I just thought it was super cool how just relatable he was, cool. and he just kept it a buck twenty. He said something else that I thought was really yeah, cool, but it, I, was, I I forget. <laughs> That's really cool. I'd have to listen to the uh, interview again where I was like, wow. Oh, 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 uh, oh, Europe. Where he's like, yeah, it's just too expensive. Like, I just, like, you know, it's not worth it. Like, he's just keeping keeping it buck, and I I really like that about it. Yeah, I mean, he said he's like, he's breaking even at a lot of tournaments, and I think that's just a testament. Like, you know, one of the things I was going to track when I actually went out to um, Oregon was pretty much just how much the week cost and fortunately like you know my parents helped me out with the plane ticket because they really wanted me to go see my brother who lives out in oregon now uh, but the plane ticket itself was just about nine hundred dollars to get yeah. out there from boston out there um fortunately I, I stayed at my brother's house so like that weekend itself ended up just being an incredible weekend to just go out there but let's say i didn't have you know my brother wasn't out there hotel room probably would have cost me at least a hundred bucks a night Rental car would have cost me at least anywhere from thirty to seventy dollars a day, depending on how the Turo app is out in that area. I'm not really sure. It was in Portland, so I mean, it's got to be pricey. Um, the plane ticket to get out there—I mean, you're talking about thousands of dollars. And one of the reasons why I originally I actually wasn't going to go out to that event because of the money investment of like Masters Cup a couple weeks before that, seventh place made like seven hundred fifty bucks or seven hundred eighty bucks, and I was like, bro, that doesn't even cover. A plane flight out there and there's no way in hell i'm getting seventh place right now at one of these tournaments against these players <laughs> especially second yeah good call um <laughs> especially in a course that i've never played and a course that i've seen in the past you know is you know a lot of people score pretty well on it and so it, it's just uh, especially with how expensive everything is you know i i purposely when i drove out to virginia beach this weekend um, let's see. Actually, I'll say this. I made 515 bucks for winning a beach here this past weekend. How many miles of gas is that? So it cost me $360 to stay at a motel six because everything in that area is stupidly expensive. So it was a hundred, about a what? 160 yeah, bucks a motel night. Six. What? Yeah. About a hundred yeah, six I, for one night. You got an Airbnb. My two, nights, two nights, oh, two nights, two okay. nights. No, Airbnbs were, time. dude, Airbnbs were 200 bucks a night. Just like, hammock it, on the insane. course. Nick, I, Nick's not about let me, that. Let me just cut you off real quick. <laughs> a mattress in my car and be happy with that, but I'm not gonna lie. Like when it's 90 degrees and you play all day, I, I guess I could find a Planet Fitness to go and shower at. But anyways. not gonna lie, when it, dude, no. <laughs> when I, <laughs> no. when I go out and play a two day tournament, like I'm not trying to sleep in my car. If I was going out there for a week, different story. I'd probably would sleep in my car, but. um Dude, it's just it's expensive right now. Gas. Yeah. Uh, what is it about? It was probably like 160 to 200 miles just to get out there, there and back. And so like you know 400 miles. That's a f- almost a full tank of gas. That's 80 dollars right now. It's 
it's just it's wild how like i i 100 i lost money this weekend because i spent i think 100 bucks at dinner um we went to this really really nice place out in the ocean front and so i knew i was gonna spend some money <laughs> but um like dude it's it's uh, it's insane right now so nick sometimes you got you gotta sacrifice i went to philadelphia uh pretty recently and you know, I stayed in an Airbnb for like 40 bucks a night, but it was the second most dangerous uh, <laughs> borough in Philadelphia. There's an abandoned building right across from me, and oh, it was uh, no. very sketchy, but sometimes you got to do it for the money. You know, I was scared to death, but we did it. Extra $100 to not go to a place like that. I'll have to tell you my story someday about the Vegas trip with Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, and the people oh, breaking in the room and stealing my stuff. Like while I'm sleeping in there, yeah, that was interesting. Silver sevens, everybody, don't stay at the silver seven. Yeah. Jeez, boy. Okay. Anyways, that's another story for another time. But PDGA board yeah. member candidates, the voting opens July. Uh, voting matters, and the world is a crazy place. And you're probably thinking a lot of different things in your own political sphere or whatever you're doing the last week or so, and you're like, voting's gonna matter. Uh, it, it, if you don't think it does wait until something happens that you don't like, and then you're like, Oh, I wish we could vote on it. So my point is a PDGA right now, governing body, probably forever. And so let's vote on the people we want in there to do the things we want the way we think it should be, or that we think will at least speak for our voice of the people. And everything's been going pretty cool. There's a lot of improvements that can come, but that's happening this July. This has been a fairly long show. We hope you appreciated it. Two great interviews, Paul Kranz. Uh, that was really fun to have him in studio. And then Bradley Williams, that was really insightful to everything he has going on. Uh, just to throw it out there, there will be a good handful of shows. And some of you can applaud. Now some of you can just be indifferent. But I'll be gone for five of the next like nine or ten shows. So it's going to be 50-50. Um, a lot of traveling, some work, some junior worlds championship. Maybe one of Ooh. my two kids who are competing come back with a title. Eh, you never know. Ooh. It's 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 getting harder and harder to do, as yeah. everyone knows. So, um, but that's happening, and then uh, lots of other things. So, anyways, we're yeah. gonna keep the show going. We're really grateful. Check out our sponsors, Nick. What do you got? I did want to say this because we totally forgot to say it earlier. And I think one of the reasons is because we actually had Paul Kranz in studio tonight. I do want to shout out to Cadence yes. Burge. Um, she won the advanced woman. She is the advanced woman. 15 years old. That's insane. So she had won the advanced woman world championship. She won by one stroke, which was pretty awesome. And from Chase um, Jordan Lynn. Yeah. Oh, was if it I'm, Chase? If, card? I, if I'm correct, I'm pretty sure. Wow. It was definitely, she was that's not so in the cool. lead at the very least. Yeah. But that's so cool. Anyway, I shout do out to her. Say, we didn't say that to her. Earlier and um want to make sure that, that that was said. Yes. Shout out to her as well as two others in the I say FPO, it's F A one. The Linds. Mm -hmm. And I don't refer to them this way yep. indifferently, like twins, meaning like they're both individuals. But uh shout out to them because they did something unique. They were in the lead. I think it was the third round or fourth round together as as like sibling yeah. twins, like we're doing this yeah. together. And I think they ended up taking second and fourth or something along those lines, which is like, yes. Yep. Imagine you had a sibling who's just like just as good as you at a high competition level. Are we going to see more of the Mandahano sisters yeah, like type players? Are the Lynn's going to be that up and coming next in week, the next few years to next, where they just next week, Lynn's twins on the show. It's happening. Set it up. Oh, I've already set it up. We'll make it. I've already set it up. Wait, really? Yeah. Have you actually? Yeah. 
Oh, sweet. All right. There we go. Like, now, all right. Oh, good God. Someone said earlier in the chat, and this is actually hilarious, they were like, good God, can you guys get a different sound for exclusive They love it. And if whoever it said that, I am on full agreement. It was with your you. burner account, Nick. Let, yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Dude, I, look, it's one of my five. You know, we have 150 people watching, 100 of my burner accounts, just, just tabs opened. Okay. Honestly, there's a lot going on. Hey, I'm, I'm going to yeah. drop U.S. women's pick, Katrina Allen. I'm going to just drop it. We can talk about Ooh, it if you want. What course is it? Do a we lot. know? Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. So or, it's not really a well-known course <laughs> that you. I'm aware of. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. It'd be okay. hard not to pick Paige just generally. I, I pick still Paige every way. time. Could be Valerie. So yeah. I don't have a pick. We, we can know. list every name in the top 10 say. of highest rated players, and then we'll look smart after the show. <laughs> or after the Oh, the, um, also, one thing really quick. Evelina Salonen played great at Preserve. Better. Is that um, your pick? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. She's not my pick, but I saw her name, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I didn't even know she was playing this event. And then I saw it, and I was like, dang, she's doing very well. Um, my pick is Val Mandahano. I Yeah. So I, any of the top three. What's I, your pick? I said one, Paige. I said Paige. Name. I already said okay. Paige. Then I All said right. you could pick others, but I think it's Paige. All right. Is Kristen playing? We don't know, but no. probably not. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. Okay, um, she's so not Paige. signed up for it. I'll play. I'll say Paige. All right. The chat was like, "Man, I was already changing channels. Now we're doing picks." <laughs> I love it. it it's yeah. actually a great insight yeah. to do that because we forgot. Yeah. All and right. One last note: mm-hmm. Your son beat you in a round this past week. Yes. I just want to say I beat Ben this past week he and did. had amazing hey. barbecue immediately after. So thanks, Ben. Nice. Yep. That's nice. great. Uh, so, oh, and be on the lookout. This is going to be the show that never ends. Be on the lookout. Nick, true, ben true. and I went out to Maple Hill Saturday. Or, yeah, Saturday. And we filmed okay. a front nine challenge and a back nine challenge of it. Evan goes, where am I? Yeah, I what? shout you out in the channel. I cool. say, where's Evan Kearns when you need a first sidearm? Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah, thanks. But where was I? What was this? So first Secret? of all, no, extremely no, I last. I told you at Meadowbrook, Evan. Come on now. But it was extremely last minute in the way it all worked out. Yeah. So long story short. I'm not judging is, one bit. You long story short is I got back from vacation. He's like, I have Lone Star Discs, which, by the way, this is what it is. Lone Star Discs. He's, and we do a challenge where I have to throw a disc that I have never held, never touched, don't know a thing about. And, like, just pull it out of a bag and be like, I guess I'll use this to clear hole eight. Like, I don't have a clue. <laughs> and, like, so we do the front nine like that. And then we change it for the back nine. Anyway, stay tuned. Nice. Ben is, ben is nice. putting something together. It will be up on the channel. And so. We'll Very do cool. more like that with everybody. One day, day, I'll beat my son, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> One, One day, day, you'll beat my son. True. Yeah. True. I haven't beat Hunter yeah. yet. Oh, my. Okay. I think I'm I'm losing. I think I've lost to everyone in this room at least once. All right. Don't, don't like, go low on yourself, too, because you probably beat me more than I beat you. All right. Nick, tell somebody you love him. No, I mean, go ahead. You say it. <laughs> Yo, everybody, thank you for tuning in tonight. Uh, nice long show for your long drive yeah. tomorrow, going to work and all that jazz. Um, thank you for being here, live in chat. Awesome interviews tonight. Don't forget to uh, hit that like button before the stream ends. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Check us out on all the Instagram platforms, everything like that. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Ben, Evan, Nick, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.